Hello and welcome again to Indie Apocalypse Radio. We're closing in on the end of the year. Would you believe it? 2023 is uh, at a close. I think I had something else to say. Oh, I know what I had something else to say. And it was because this thing's been driving me nuts. So there's like, I'm going to ask this, uh, ask the guest about this in a second, but I don't know if he'll have a proper answer. But there are like these, <laughs> this is one of these, these things I need to get out of my brain, but there are. There are inflatable like Christmas stuff all over the place now. That's, that's been a thing in recent years. Those giant inflatable uh, lawn ornaments, and there's a Grinch one, classic. You know, green guy hates Christmas, lives on a big mountain with a dog, um, but because of like the coloring of the sheet and the, and I assume the light that people are using, like those kind of classic yellow glow lights from a, from a distance and even like up close. Because uh, the Grinch's smile, I think, adds like another layer of uh, cloth to his mouth area. It just looks like a bunch of Homer Simpsons, <laughs> and it freaked me out. <laughs> and I don't know if that is a universal experience or not, but but you know it is a universal experience here on Indie Apocalypse Radio. I think that's video games and music. Uh, and we have our guest here. Our we're flying solo bolo style today. Uh, hey, it's harder to schedule around the end of the year. Often, uh, it just kind of happens. Um, but we are here. Do uh, I say? Um, yes. Hello. Um, well, Luis Hernandez, you may know oh, from, Esco- is it Escote or Escote? I have that on here. Uh, uh, Escote. Escote. I played a little on the, you heard, if you were here in the pre-show, you, there was a track on the top and jazz punk. It's Luis Hernandez. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, kind of groggy, but otherwise got all my limbs and appendages and everything is intact so that's an important thing to have all of those generally yeah need all my digits they're very helpful like i feel like if you're like you're you're losing out on one there's an important thing you're like oh wait a minute i really needed that guy uh okay i was like i'm, I'm closing de- closing all of my social medias done done with them <laughs> i've i've post i've made my posts and i've exiled them I, Your 500 Chrome tabs are yes. all getting collapsed. Oh, well, actually, actually, I switched to Firefox, and that's what finally killed all of my social media tabs. Because I had to like rebuild them, and I was like, "Just what if I didn't? <laughs> what if I did not oh, repin all these sites and just left them closed?" You'd have some memory left on your computer. That'd be the first thing. It is, and I'm like living my best life now, but. I had when I signed into Instagram a lot of it was like a bunch of people want to follow you on threads so I made a threads account uh, it's truly the most deranged site I do not wish to visit it what's it threads it's truly the worst of them is it clothing no uh, it, it's like Instagram, it's like Twitter but made by meta oh that thing I've yes. never actually clicked on I think it's tried to get me to join it many times and I've just brushed it away um wise yeah i've just pushed it away yeah i've just pushed it it's like do you want to join all your friends are on threat you know yeah and uh i just kind of like mush it away with my hand every time i i that was a smart thing to do i i clicked on yeah. it like what's this is like one post from someone i know then the most deranged posts of like people who are like so social media brained I can't handle it. 
but I also is it ostensibly a is it a TikTok clone? Is that basically what it's gunning for? No, it's gunning for a Twitter clone. Uh, oh. Oh, all... okay. I yeah. I assumed it was TikToky. No, Instagram's trying to do that because oh. with their reels and everything. I see. But I also TikTok is also its whole other beast that I have no interest in because I'm not posting video of myself on the internet. Yeah, I'm too old. Uh, every time I look at it, I feel like um, Alec Baldwin in Beetlejuice or something, where you just like age, but you know, a hundred years in a minute. Yeah, uh, it, it, and every time I've seen people like it's good for advertising. Whenever I've seen someone advertising, uh, there on TikTok, they're like, it's like I, I can't, I can't talk like this. I this doesn't feel like how a human being is meant to talk. And, yeah, it's pretty foreign to me. It's pretty alien. Um, at some point, I will have to hire a young person to be on TikTok for me for you know the next time i'm like in a game whatever promotional cycle right uh i understand its utility as a as a platform yeah. but i can't operate that machine like i don't have a license to operate that particular piece of heavy machinery oh, that's fine I, that's... I gotta get the, the whole the whole shop floor doesn't have to be cert forklift certified you know find yeah yeah find i'm gonna it. farm that job out someone else find your guy uh, uh speaking of i guess um uh game promotional cycles if people weren't familiar uh with jazz punk how would you describe jazz punk oh i used to be really good at this um, <laughs> yeah like reach, reach I, into I the a... recesses of your brain there's a lot of lights <laughs> going on there's like some loud game next oh man to you. some press guy just walked up he's like hey what's this thing What's going on here? Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I had this down pretty well. Like I had a muscle for this. Your your pattern. Um, yeah, I had a whole pattern for like when I'm at PAX or whatever. Uh, I think I, I think I used to describe it as a um, sort of a retro futuristic uh, comedy adventure thing. Um, I mean, it's it is an adventure game. Yeah. If it is a com it is a comedy. Yeah, it's, um, it's it is. Uh, I I don't know. It's like a it's a jazz punk like. Um, did you ever play it? I did. I did a long time ago. It was okay. Uh, now that I'm now that I'm reaching out to other guests uh, outside of the sphere of indie apocalypse, I'm running into the space of uh, inviting guests onto the show whose work I really like, and I go, "How do you say? Ah, oh, I love that thing a lot. <laughs> um, I love the jazz punk a lot. Just played it." when it came out and I was like, Oh man, why don't people make video games like this? And then still, they're they still really, really. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really No, It's, uh, it's, um, so one of the, the weird design, uh, decisions, and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call it a constraint, uh, or maybe it's, I don't know if it's a type of constraint. One of the rules that, um, we had when we were working on it, it's just me and my buddy, Jess, uh, made it but one of the rules that we had was like i don't like how much games are about repeating or, or just about repetition yeah both in terms of their both in terms of their gameplay but also in terms of how the environments are built um and so i get just as bored with a game where like the same texture just keeps repeating on the wall 
um, you know, whatever, whether it's Doom or something where you can go through tons of Doom maps and it's the same, you know, sort of uh, greebly sci-fi wall texture in the same tiled floor. Um, and so that, that texture just keeps repeating and the music keeps repeating. Um, and then the same is true with the gameplay where, you know, you're, you, you play a game and sometimes it's going to be a, uh, an 80 hour RPG, or it can be a, a 20 hour shooter, but like the gameplay doesn't really mutate much right. during the experience. So a lot of, um, a lot of the rules to making jazz punk was really just about not repeating things, whether it's the way the levels are built or the way, um, you interact with the world like it keeps shuffling and we, we, we try to do something new every time you go to do something or every time you go somewhere i wanted to make like a very different place or a, a place that felt really um new so it's really inefficient it's a yes, really yeah. really inefficient <laughs> game to make that's what i was getting to it's a incredibly inefficient and it's almost by design inefficient to right. make um and as a result, I it's been you know almost ten years now, and I haven't seen. It's very rare I see another game that's built that way, just because every single producer, who anyone in charge, would always look at it and be like, "What are you? You don't? What are you doing? Yeah, right. You right, can't. Right. What are you only, insane? Like only in like the 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 kind of like hyper indie space, which I'm I'm thinking of starting to call it non-studio. That's the thing I've kind of flipped on. My brain is gravitated towards now. I was I was calling I was calling games I was calling them budgeted games. You know, like what if I just call them studio games? That it runs makes more sense. Like studio versus indie. Uh, this is my five year quest of finding <laughs> definition for you know? yeah. Uh, studio games and non-studio games is kind of an interesting, uh, uh, kind of an interesting descriptor. Um, I think we all come up against that problem. Of trying to, yeah. Uh, you're like, where is the line in the sand? Because we're all we're all frustrated with it, right? We're like, that's not an indie game, and you and you know that, and I know that. Yeah. But it's not always an easy thing to, um, to quantify. Right, and I, I've seen into a, like a perfect, a perfect definition. Uh, I've seen the sentiment a couple times that like, oh, indie games, uh, they've changed so much in ten years, but they, uh, like, as someone who's been in the deep shit of it, they haven't really like all the innovative whatever indie games you you're pining for that used to exist still exist, but like, uh, people have purchased the term indie uh, nowadays. So it's like it's been like purchased by other people who use it differently. Like, I mean, if you think ten yeah, I, years ago, you know, you weren't finding new indie yeah. games on like uh, the Game Awards. You were like going to the TigSource forums or whatever. <laughs> oh shit! I forgot about TigSource. And then if you like still go to TigSource, and if you wanted to find those games, you just go back to those places. Still, you know. Is Tig Store is Tig Source still going strong? I don't know if it's, it's still, still going strong, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's still up. It better I be don't up. Know how strong it is, but like, I know the I and Tig Source is probably. I know the I and the G are is indie games. I'm assuming. What's the T? Uh, probably the... Tig. Oh, the indie games. 
Is this the one I'm thinking oh. of? Uh, well, I mean, I was mostly thinking of the forums. <clears throat> How are the forums doing? Oh, the for- Tig Source itself is not has does has not an update in a very long time. Oh, the page. indie game. Oh, sorry, I'm forgetting the word source. Okay, so it'd be the indie game source. Yeah, Tig Source. Yes. Okay, I'm thinking of, like Tig Welding. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I'm think... on the Tig. I'm on the other Tig Source forums. Okay, learning yeah. about Tig Welding, but. That which is its own but, yeah, subculture. The, of like, yeah. Oh, now I'm getting uh, into, like for whatever whatever you think exists for in, independent games, that same thing exists for like every other subculture that you can imagine. You know. Right. Yeah, the crocheting. I'm on the crocheting forums. I'm yeah. on the. Yeah, there's always something out there. Embroidery forums. The the latest crocheting drama. What is going on? Oh man, they re- they released the number two. Uh, I can't even make a good embroidery. They released the number two paddle, and it doesn't it does it's not compatible with the the first uh, iteration of the the embroidery paddle. And I yeah, can't. Yeah, no, uh, it's uh, uh, the latest crochet YouTuber is getting canceled. They, yeah, no, it's all, all it's all drama. It's all drama. Yeah, I heard they were lifting patterns. From, right. uh, and I, and they found they were like in an old '70s magazine. They were pulling them out and claiming them as their own. Well, I can't just, believe it. Just, a, I know it's abysmal. I can't believe that's the world we're living in. It's it's too bad. What happened? Human, human existence will forget all of this in thirty to forty years. <laughs> what when the slate gets wiped clean? Yeah, the, the cultural slate. The cultural slate is constantly getting wiped, and people. It's just like it's fun. It's fun to like sit back and like think about that. And remember, like, uh, how how quickly, like, how few pieces of art survive each year, you know, so to speak. Right. Like, you know. Did we get off? Did we get off topic? I don't even. This show doesn't really have a topic. It's just kind of like. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think of I think of it as like you know how when you're like hanging out after a convention, you're just kind of like shooting the shit. Yeah, uh, that's what the show is. Uh, I, I, I do have vague memories in my life where I was at a convention. Yeah, but I like the shooting the shit part. That's what the show is, except people are listening to it. I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, show... I, I, I edit the part where I think of it. Uh, people listening, like I, yeah. I have to like uh, quell that part of my brain and i just have to shrink it down to it's just a conversation with like a single human being yeah and that's that's basically how i frame it i mean for what it's worth unless someone in the chat is someone i know i i the chat is a, a usually ignored wasteland this is not a <laughs> this is on twitch.tv but this is not a twitch stream you know we're not right sh- we're not shutting out bong lord for like thanks for the bits bong lord what's going on Glad to have you here. Bong Lord. Bong oh, Lord. My truest, my truest favorite uh, follower. Uh, <laughs> Dope uh, Throne. Uh, I, 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 I'll admit publicly, I like uh, weed metal or whatever. And the general culture of it for a guy who ate one edible and got frustrated by it. <laughs> it's just... Not for me. Are you referring to? Are you referring to Stoner Doom? Stoner Doom. I'm. I'm a fan of Stoner Doom. I have a couple Weedian compilations, you know, on my computer. Okay. 
but yeah, I'm a big I, I like stoner doom a lot it's a true it's a truly pleasurable life you know it's like my yeah my my dream uh when I look at an album my dream is to see 30 tracks that are it's like oh a 40-minute album with 30 tracks or an hour and a half album with two tracks or one track oh you, one if you're track. playing your cards right yes, yeah uh, that's we can only have so many dope smokers in the world you know <laughs> i'll take the one the 70 minute one track album yes is uh it's a good staple of mine yeah i like i'll just put that on and let it uh let it grind for a good hour and, and change let us do it. Let us do its business, and then I'm like, ah, yeah. Thank you. I'll see you again in a week. Sleep, but until yeah, then, exactly. It's a it's a good um, for as a game developer too. You're always you always need uh, long form um, stuff to listen to, right? So whenever you find like a good album that you can just put on, and it can uh, it can salve you for you know some an hour's worth of work like those albums are really valuable so yeah. i've never i've never quite found another uh, dope smoker um they're rare it's hard to find a good like one hour chunk that you can just put on and work to that can um, that ideally will also loop and then you don't <laughs> even realize that it that you've been five hours in because it just has nice nice ch nice churn to it yeah yeah that thing i describe it as a chew it's got a good chew yeah um but yeah i don't know i mean I, if there's anyone and if anyone has any recommendations in the comments for another dope smoker i'll take it but yeah they're they're very a good one like there's a lot of knockoff stuff out there but in terms of like a real classic those are those are actually quite rare in that yeah, genre that, that, that's part of why i i hope Bandcamp is okay <laughs> Um, uh, I mean, like, like anything, I think it's yeah. um, or, or it's got a layer. Of, I think it's they've got a layer of fat on them. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of like I think of it like that, like an organism, where I think it can get. I think Bandcamp has enough fat on it to get sick a couple times and make it through. Uh, it's when companies get really thin and lean, that's when it's really precarious because they don't have the um sort of the uh the stockpile to to stay you know alive right, during right. a shuffle um so i feel like yeah they've got enough like inertia on them or like enough you know calories or whatever analogy you want to use um, so i'm not too worried about them right now but yeah when when companies start getting scrappy and like sinewy uh then they make really desperate weird choices and then they do something really stupid um and then you know you can see it you just see a company like disappear overnight once, once it gets sold two or three more times <clears throat> yeah i think of those uh buying and selling stages that's almost like a you know getting like a flu or pneumonia or something like that's a moment of weakness um uh and then you know usually they can recover from that. So yeah, Bandcamp still feels ostensibly the same yeah. as it did a few years ago. But you know, like you can see how quickly, how many fucking colds has Twitter got in the yes. past year? <laughs> Twitter has gotten <laughs> right. 
Twitter's gotten one and, and, just and like, is going from one to another. It hasn't recovered yet. Yeah. So you can see you're watching Twitter. If you're thinking of Twitter like an organism, it's it keeps getting sick over and over. And we all know who's giving it the fucking colds. We right. point, <laughs> point the finger pretty directly. So, Somebody keeps co- coming in. <laughs> Coming in and coughing every so often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone, someone. I don't know who. I don't want to name names. No. Someone keeps wandering in and sneezing and coughing and wheezing and hacking up like phlegm in the sink, and that that uh, Twitter is like an organism keeps getting sick, and each time it does, it gets a little leaner and it loses a little bit more fat, um, and. You know, so it's it's the trajectory of it is a lot more precarious. It doesn't it's really good when you go to a website or whatever, a service or something, and it hasn't changed in five years. Yes. Or oh, ten I, years. I love I can just go to you know, I can I can fire up ubu dot com and it's probably unchanged since nineteen ninety six. Yeah. There's a there's a handful of those still out there. I'm trying to think of one that I use. Um but I've got a couple of old staples that I pull up and they're more or less the same. They're more or less the exact same thing that they've been 10 years ago. And, uh, and anything I've seen that's like mutated really rapidly, it's either it's gone or I don't use it anymore because it's, it's shed all of its um, utility. So like an example is like, I've been using Winamp uh, nonstop since maybe 1990 eight or 1999 i've never i've never not used winamp and it's uh it's remained stable and usable right for goddamn what is that 23 24 years um whereas you know if you did the full like itunes migration and uh and sort of consolidated everything into itunes but then they killed i i don't even know what it is now i don't I don't think it's iTunes. Apple Music. Is it Apple Music now? Yeah, like that whole thing is has shifted so many times, and um, whereas to the point where I know people that just use Spotify because they can't be bothered to yeah be their own librarian anymore. They have no idea where their MP3s are, or what they own, or what's what's DRM'd, what's not. Like, um it was just so many layers of like mutation and upgrades and updates and yeah, it's really bizarre. So anytime I can find like a tool, like I don't need a hammer to mutate every year. I just no. need to be a hammer. Right. It does. Exactly. I don't need like a new, yeah. I don't need a new fancy hammer where right. they added shit to it. Does this thing play MP3s? Yes. Could it also play flat? Yeah. Sure. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And can I play, uh, you know, if I if I end up with some old weird, um, what were those things? Those uh, a track. Yeah. If I dig up some weird a track clip or some, uh, what was that? What was that? Microsoft WMA Windows yeah. Media. Something. I, I have I have Fubar, which I think will play it all. Uh, yeah. It even has that's all like I need. MIDI instruments, like different MIDI instruments, I can choose. If I'm playing a MIDI. Oh, track. for like. Um, yeah, like you can play, uh, what are those uh, SNES tr- uh, songs called? SMC, I think. They could probably. There's a bunch of like chip, there's like chip tune general MIDI stuff, and you can just drag it into Winamp and it'll just play it. They're able to do its best 
right it'll, it'll do its best job playing it um you know you can listen to all your whatever streets of rage soundtrack yeah i in uh i, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think vlc has changed since i first downloaded it yeah ZL, vlc is another perfect example of that i don't need vlc to have anything but like a stupid orange construction pylon and the ability to play video files yeah most video files if you drag a video file into vlc and it it can't play it it's not vlc's fault it's like you it's whoever encoded it some weirdo picked the obscure some nerd on a linux forum somewhere was just like oh i'm i'm aqx encoding you know wow it's, it's the superior encoding like, format or it's like well yeah and and they're like dude no one has no one has that and they're like but it's it's more efficient and then they encode all their you know 23 <laughs> seasons of inuyasha yes. in some obscure codec and then vlc can't play it and it's like okay the dude the dude went a little uh off the script but went but, off road <laughs> But it is one megabyte smaller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's, you know, flipping out over that one megabyte that he saved, completely picking an obscure and obtuse uh, video codec. Not assuming this type. Um, so not assuming have... this is the type of person who would have terabytes of storage on their Plex server or whatever. <laughs> What's well, more efficient? Oh. Uh, yes, uh, but, so... <laughs> but that's that's. The, the freaks are the, the the true freaks are the people who make who make VLC in the first place. You know, it's like this. Kind yeah, of, or the obsessiveness about it. You know, I don't know. You know what? Um, VLC on one of my computers. I don't know what the fuck happened to it. it bit rotted or something. Oh. And um, VLC can get into these weird territories where I don't know what happens. It like uh, it 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 loses connection with some of its codec repository or it gets into a weird memory handling state. Like I've had, I've had VLC go sour on a couple of different computers um, or it'll start to stutter really weird shit. And I, and and it's always like I flicked some random flag in the Uh. like super advanced settings. Like I, you know, I was trying to get something to play, I go onto some forum somewhere and they're like, Oh, find the flag for, you know, uh, enhanced memory, right? APC, you know, bootloader functionality, like make sure that's not checked. And then I'll go in and I'll like uncheck some box. I'll forget about it. And then slowly over, you know, six months or whatever, VLC will like develop a memory leak or I don't know what happens. And then, and then it goes bad. And then I have to, I don't know, try to either fully reinstall. Anyway, just I've seen VLC go sideways a few times. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird little organism. Software Um, is imperfect, but no need to purposely make it imperfect just because you need to update it every three months. Yeah, exactly. I don't need new features and I don't need it to phone home or like start sharing and like trying to connect to my social media so people can see what I'm watching. No, yeah. I, I, I very rarely do I need any any program to share something. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then then I lose on the virality of people sharing my thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're probably fine. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think I... That's the, the, it's a weird thing when you realize you, you trade in something that has, like, 
a little viral potential, you know? But it's it's like relaxing in a weird way. He's like, oh, this doesn't have like, we'll never have like the vibe that would be like, oh, look at this thing. It doesn't have the immediate appeal. Like a lot of things, a lot of plenty of good things don't have that immediate viral appeal, you know? Yeah, there's a weird thing. Um, there's a weird thing with, I feel like it's a problem with a lot of modern media. Like it has to be immediately arresting. Yeah for the audience and uh, there was something about <clears throat> and i'm sure you remember this like from the the 90s i'm just gonna go dip into like old man yeah uh, times uh, yes, now but the, the long begun nine 1990s <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is so, like 30 years ago so i guess so yeah it's something yeah it's not nothing i know right in my head the 90s is like the year the year right now is the year 2000 so the 90s is yeah you know couple years ago right. um I, I still encounter but, things from 90s media that feel foreign to me so i i just <laughs> i was watching a movie and they had like they put cds in a caddy before loading them oh i, I had never oh, seen that before caddy. in my life yeah yeah that was that was a little that wasn't just before my time it was like um i feel like that was more that was uh those were like research computers or like university computers. Like yeah. I feel like it was okay. an earlier type of disk drive. So I don't think most home offices were doing the caddy thing. I think yeah. that was uh, as soon as like creative sound blaster, you know, CD-ROM drive started being like the standard uh, caddies, just caddies didn't make it. I, I think caddies were on the scene for like a, you know, a minute. Well, maybe that was um, a bit of character building. I understand the show that the the person had a lot of cool high tech. Was it the net? Were you watching no, the this, net? This was this was the classic film Brain Scan. <laughs> Which did is, I watch Brain Scan? Who's I, in that? Who's in I that? don't know if I would recommend people watch Brain. If you if you're if you have, if you have a friend and you guys like trashy horror movies, is that the Christopher Walken? No, the uh, VR furlong in it. Edward Furlong. Yes. Oh, I like Edward Furlong. And he's 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 there's a evil video game. Huh. That makes him. I don't know. I'll people. check it out. And there's a fun little guy in there called Trickster. He's he's got a. I like horror movies that have fun little weird fun weird little guys in them. You know. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like weird little weird little freaks that are just hanging out. We're, we're is like, this? Uh, yeah. Is this pre or post? terminator 2 furlong because it's american history x furlong this is a 90s no he very he looks like he looks like t2 so okay okay like, so oh, yeah right right, same, right around there the same year that's a hell of a uh, fucking uh, year uh, three years later three years later okay so he's a little he's a little older but he probably right. still has the the general furlong but furlonginess but, yeah but like if, I like if you hadn't seen Terminator Two and in a little while, and you looked at me like, "Oh, that's how he looks in Terminator 2. But if you saw them back to back, I'm sure he looks older, a little. Yeah, I don't think he ever really got. Uh, I don't think he was like a particularly uh, hair suit kind of guy. So I feel like he didn't. I don't think he got all stubbly, or I don't think I can't really picture him with like a mustache or anything. Um, so he probably just retained that youthful Terminator Two you know, malaise. Right. For, for a slightly, chunk of time. Slightly older with a nice, a nice crack in his voice. 
but yeah yeah it's the you hire him for the crack a, a lot That's... of <laughs> hey yes exactly listen. like oh. don't you can't do that don't kill people that's exactly. He's telling him that. He's telling him. He's telling Mister Brain Scan that. But, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. He's like, he's no, we like, can't just. The video people. games can't kill people. Anyway, it's it's that's cool. It's trashy, <laughs> and there's a lot I of like there's a lot mm-hmm. of weird like a weird number of. Uh, I like to also look at uh, background, like especially like set dressing and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I love that stuff. A lot of like a lot of posters for Aerosmith's "Get a Grip." Like in every teenager's bedroom. <laughs> really, I yes. don't know. Um, I don't. Aerosmith is one of those bands where it feels like it was perpetually before my time. Yes, that's why and I was very I, confused to see it. <laughs> like I don't actually know. Is Aerosmith? Did they start in the seventies? I feel like they were just around, I sort of they... perpetually, but I could never place what year Aerosmith? I, like what year is Aerosmith? I think they started in, in the seventies and then they had like eras okay. of like, Oh, okay. Like they like came and went periodically. That's, <clears throat> that's my understanding of them. But okay. Was... Cause I, yeah, I know things like, like I know guns and roses hit yeah. at a, at a time and you could find it like, you know, it's like you could map it on a, chart or whatever like a seismic chart but i don't know where aerosmith was introduced and then i don't know what its longevity was so if i saw aerosmith in like a a teenager's bedroom if i saw like a poster in a movie that bedroom could be from i don't know 1978 to 1996 yeah right (laughs) you know what i mean like it's 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 a weird it doesn't work that way with uh, a lot of bands so he I don't also, know. What he also had a "Please to Meet Me" poster, which What's is that? Uh, uh, the classic Replacements album. It's "Please to Meet Me." Please to meet me. What's that? Uh, uh, album by the. If, if you're familiar with the Replacements, the Mats, I think as they call them. The band is called the Replacements. Yes. Oh, we, Louis, we, we had a, we, at least we didn't have time for me to tell you about the Replacements. I, okay. I love the Replacements. It's. There's I some... know the replacement killers with Mira Sorvino and Chow Yun Fat. No, that's uh... not them. Okay. Unfortunately, that that would be a good band. That would be, yeah. What what would that band be? So, Mira okay, so Sorvino that... and Chow Yun Fat. Yeah, yeah. So now now I don't feel as bad anymore when I play the replacements on the stream because I'm like, oh yeah, of course people know who the replacements are. Minneapolis band classics. Anyway. Yeah, my music knowledge, um, like I, my music knowledge is really unusual. I realize um, I grew up on a really unusual diet of things, and I basically bypass entire chunks of uh, sort of North American music history. You're right. Um, so there's a whole bunch. Basically, the '80s is a smoking crater where I don't know from. Yeah, I. I I just don't know 80s music and I don't know a lot of um, 90s music. I know because it was mixed in on the countdowns on like, um, you know, it was MTV. It would have been MTV for you for us in Canada with much music. Um, But it's whatever. It was ostensibly the same countdowns, the top 30 
uh, music video countdowns. And so you watch that for enough years and you get a general sense of, you know, whatever the musical zeitgeist is. So it's like, I'm hearing whatever, Smashing Pumpkins, I'm hearing um, Sarah McLaughlin, whether I like it or not. Yeah, um, that's where you get music from. You only get music where you get, unless you're paying for it, you basically get it where from the radio or from the music video countdowns, you know? Yeah, it was music video count. So, so I'm I'm much more aware. It's it's much harder to surprise me with a band from the '90s because yeah. I just would have been exposed to a much broader spectrum. But the '80s, I wasn't watching, you know, MTV or much music in the '80s. So there's whole cattle, there's whole empires that rose and fall in the '80s, and um, you know, people will be like, I don't even know, right? Uh, name an name an '80s band. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Of, uh, uh, were the, were killing the, joke? What was that? I don't know. Killing the kill, killing joke is that that's an '80s band, right? Is it? Now you now you hit me with one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like that's a comic well, book, of well, course. Oh, is that the Joker? Uh, that's that's that uh, Alan Moore thing? book. Killing joke. Um, is an English band, yes, formed in 1979, but they extended on until 1996. Um, okay. Anyway, yes, so, something will just come up, and I'll be like, I don't know anything about that because I wasn't exposed to it in um, on radio. Not that I listen to a ton of radio, but I just wasn't exposed to it. So, yeah. But it's like to me, it's like department store music. So I'll be in an department store, and they'll be playing something on the PA system, and I just don't register it whatsoever like it goes in one ear and out the other um and so i feel like that's the case yeah like there's just huge chunks of like i'd say between i don't know 1976 up until like 1992 there's just this giant missing block of stuff and I obviously i can pick things out of there that i know but um you know when i think of music in the 80s i think of like napalm death scum like I'm like that's a good. That'd be like my top eighties. Right. <laughs> I don't even know how to like pin. See, I like I I grew up and then I shed most of my musical stuff and I was like I just kind of started fresh. <laughs> around yeah, college, that's smart. College yeah, yeah, age. yeah. Flush the whole system out. Right. Right. You don't, you don't need it. I'm like I don't need any of this stuff. I can just start fresh. And then since then, like you know, I'll just pop into. You know, when you start using Bandcamp more extensively, you just kind of find yourself listening to like relative, like entirely almost unheard of. You know, you go on Spotify, you see twelve monthly listeners or whatever. Right. And that's kind of like. But uh, I'm agreeing. I've actually never used Spotify in my life, but I I can. Um, yeah. I can, synth- I can synthesize the experience. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, they got of stats. What it would be like. That's weird. Yeah, Bandcamp I like because Bandcamp really is total unknown stuff, and there's and the barrier to entry is so low that it really can just be musicians putting their music up that have no technical ability. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's really important. Um, uh, I was I was debating whether to announce this on your podcast. I don't know what kind of listenership do you have? Like, what, uh, what are you know, like. like? Uh... <laughs> Let me let me go to let me click on it right now. There's I think there's four people in here. What am I okay. what am I monthly I never check my stats. What what do my stats say if I go to anchor? Yeah. Let's... 
It's 28. Give me the stats. 28 people. I have I have 80 Spotify followers. Okay. Yeah, it's this is not okay. a, a well a widely trafficked. I mean, this is like a niche of a niche of a niche, you know. That's cool. Yeah, that's uh so one thing I'll I'll say yeah. um cuz I've been teasing this all week, not that I have a particularly large following either. Um I'm releasing the Jazz Punk soundtrack. That's like my big uh end of year announcement. Um it's been 10 years and there's yeah, been no I, jazz punk soundtrack. And I've got the hot indie apocalypse radio scoop. I've got scoops sc- yeah, sc- coming through. Yeah. So I'm giving you a scoop. Uh, <laughs> not that anyone gives shit, but <laughs> oh, I think um, that's like, that's the important mentality I've developed. Of, like I no longer caring if anyone gives a shit, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I'm just, it's this thing where, um, you know, when, when I made the music for that game, it was made over many years yeah. and it was, most of it was recorded to tape because I was using really, uh, I had a really analog setup. And so it's taken me 10 years to go back and actually dig through. I think it's, it's I calculated it once. It's like 35 hours of music I made for that game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so I had to go and wade through all of the master recordings and pick out, you know, um, all the best, all the best bits and then actually ma- remaster all of them to be, you know, um, appropriate for a soundtrack. So that's just a thing that's taken forever. And uh, I'm working on another game, like an unannounced game right now. So it's like taking the time away from that game to then go work on the soundtrack was really daunting. Um, but at some point, that soundtrack is going to come out. Uh, I forget how I got to onto this thread we were talking about talk um, about Bandcamp. anyone can just release their own stuff uh however that's oh it. yeah so what i learned is that trying to get this soundtrack on other services that aren't banned because i'm used to you know i have my music on Bandcamp. it's right. fine but when you go to another service and try to put your music on it holy shit is it insane like there's like uh command line things and like turn <laughs> like they're like boot into our terminal and like you know hack the gibson um you know upload all your files in this really specific like really weird technical things and i'm like this is not this is not musicians aren't going to use this it's too it's just too obfuscated and if you have to like boot into some weird you know unix shell account to interface with their ftp server or something um and run batch file like actual literal batch files like it's you know 1994 right um Uh, it's crazy it's crazy i i am like mildly technically minded and i put off using just like butler for itch for like so long because i was like i don't want to set this shit up oh is it command line stuff yeah and you have to like set up through the command line and link your link your accounts and it's actually very easy to do sort of but you have to like Anything that requires like, you know, baseline operating system level setup before you set up the program itself is like, just the be- just that extra barrier, you know. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, right. Yeah. Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. No, it's. I just want to click on a thing that says upload, and people say, 
and then it says yes and it uploads it that that's what allows people like anything that kind of like removes the barrier is better you know yeah or you know what i'll take you know one of my favorites i love a good i love a good drag and drop yes oh <laughs> if i can if i can if i can drag it and drop it oh man now you got yourself a a, a system that I, yeah me up with that it is definitely oh, I'm, i was looking at my rap i'll close that now um <laughs> I was like, people they were giving me all these fun stats about this podcast, and I was like, I'm no longer interested in them. Uh, but I yeah, don't want to see the stats. Uh, my my most new listeners were in France this year. Mm. It's That's international, bon international show. Because bon. that is that is the point of it. It should be like uh, the the thing I think more about is like. Uh, the the barrier, the barrier to entry in games in in a quote unquote video games, uh, is is why you find out. You know, it's why, like you said, ten years on, is there's still like people are still not really making that many different games within the, the you know the the obvious big sphere of cultural video games. Right. It's because like it requires such a, such a buy-in and like monetarily and time based, <clears throat> and they're they're like uh, it feels impenetrable often, you know. And it is. Yeah. And, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of the major weaknesses of the medium is that the only people that make video games are the shape of person that can handle the game development process. So you only you only ever get to play stuff from the type of person that w is willing to sit down in front of a computer for god i don't even know how many hours it is but right. 10,000 hours i don't know right. and so you'll never you'll never encounter a game that is made by a person where that is not their um that is not their tolerance yeah and, i always... uh, i mean I, I, and and that's true for any like you're not going to get you know um you're not going to get guitar music from somebody who also is not willing to sit down in front of a guitar for 10,000 hours or whatever it is. But, yeah. um, it, it's a pre-selected, it's a pre-filtered psychology. I think that's the, the weirdness of games. It's like it pre-filters for a very particular type of psychology. They would actually endure the horror of making a video game. Right. And it doesn't have like the, the, the kind of ceiling, I guess, for, uh, what, a game is is kind of um creeping up slowly and slowly you know mm -hmm. like that like oh, oh games are need to be uh uh you know that that is part of that i think part of why i think it's it's interesting or like worth people arguing about what indie is because if indie just becomes uh three million dollar studio projects you know <laughs> Uh, then it just becomes harder if if the culture below it, like, you know, that's this the same. And you know, indie musicians, uh, plenty mm -hmm. of them are have you know, uh, you know, inroads into the industry or plenty of funding as well, and that that applies to everything. But there needs to games, uh, I think, need that stronger. Games need zines, you know. Like, yeah, I've been trying to figure out. I think I want to try to make a zine, um, partially because I like tangible objects. Yeah. But 
there's something about zines uh, interface with a community very differently than than games do. Um, zines also don't require any kind of um, they don't have to run on anything. They run on themselves. Yeah. You hold yes. the zine in your hand and you use your eyeballs. Uh, so there's not this like weird hardware requirement. Like I make tapes, you know, I, like I see you sell tapes in the yeah. uh, game uh, tapes with a USB stick in yes, them. That's but right. I, I, did you have some tapes? I feel like I saw you had some tapes too. too. I, I did not have any actual tapes with cassettes inside of them. Oh, okay. Anyway, I sell tapes of my music. Yeah. Um, but every now and then, I, I'm always encountering somebody who goes, oh, I'd love to buy your tape. I don't have a tape player. Yes. And and it's like, oh, yeah, shit. Okay, so there is still this, like... To me, I've always owned a tape player. Like, I never did the thing where I purged all of my tape recorders during the, whatever, 2000s. I feel yeah. like that was, like, a mass purge occurred. I never did that. So I've I've perpet I've owned a Walkman since I was a kid uh, in one form or another. Not I've owned the same Walkman, uh, God forbid. Um, but I've always owned a Walkman, and uh, so it's funny to me when I go to you know like a show or something and I'm selling tapes and it's like, oh, there's a there's a gap there. Like there's people that are are discovering tape, but tape is like a new medium for them. Right. And then there's people like me where they grew up with tape and then maybe they put it down for a bit and then they're back in the tape. So um but zines don't have that. Zines are just like, oh yeah, I I I can I know how to flip pages. Right. It's just, I'm good at that. It's a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh so I think there's something about making a zine where there really is no technological barrier to entry the way um other formats that I, you know, dabble in, especially games is the worst, obviously. Right. Uh, for that. Yeah. The and, amount and, of buy-in. And and the ones without like the large tech buy-in, there's like, uh, you know, no one's porting a Bitsy game to Switch, you know. Uh, or or, yeah, or selling exactly. them on Steam. Like there's like, it's assumed that if you're making like an actual proper video game, you know, you got to put that thing in Unreal or Unity or whatever. And it has to have like certain. Yeah. Like there's an understanding of like, oh, the, these are the video game ones. And, the, you know, there's that clear demar demarcation between this is like a hobbyist, I guess, a fun tool. And then this is a real tool. But there's not like a or there feels like there is less of a game hobbyist market. And unfortunately, people need money. Yeah. yeah i've always i mean it first of all it's a shame that that basically it's a two-party system where yeah. you're you really are it's unity or unreal and then if you are an insane computer science nerd there's you can home roll your own engine um and it's funny because the people that home roll their own engines are always like oh it's not so bad i you know <laughs> i do it I, it's important to me and i'm like you're building a fucking rocket engine, right? You know? Like, what? It, it, don't like. It's cool that you're doing that, and I and I think that's an incredibly important um, skill to maintain. The idea that there are still extreme, uh, dedicated computer science nerds out there that want to do that, but um, if for them, it's almost like the artistry is in building the engine itself, and not about building the 
not about building the subsequent experience that that engine allows you know what i mean like they're tool makers yeah right right um and, and so being a you know being a, a smith like a metal smith and making a hammer that's really important but being a person who can take a hammer and then go build a you know a giant trojan horse with it or something is a completely different uh we you know we call that carpentry it's a completely right. different uh, skill set yeah so oh sorry go ahead no no i wasn't going to say anything meaningful <laughs> um so anyway yeah the, the two-party system of unity and, and real is like a real uh you can feel the way in which that limits the medium right now and i would i, I would love more competition in that space like there should be so many tools um there should be so many tools for game development and of course there's probably some someone in the forum or something right now being like well there's godot and there's uh well, you know all these things but yeah uh they don't they're 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 either new and they're still fairly they're going through their growing pains or um they haven't been fully established as like uh you know um something that you can invest in for for many years and it will yeah. remain stable um or, or you there's know, a cool what's oh, or you know there's a there's there's an assumption, especially like oh, if I want to get a job or I want people to invest in this thing or I want to you know be part of the video game machine or whatever. There's like okay, mm -hmm. there's implied because you know, uh, there's there's a there's like an indie game I think I think it's called something like Undertale. Uh, I think that was made in, that that was made in Game Maker. It's I think it got some traction. Uh, but yeah i mean there's certainly game maker games out there yeah. but the, <clears throat> but it's not like oh yeah now i'm gonna go take my game maker experience to to where you know they're they're very much like you feel like solo project kind of gate engines you know mm -hmm. yeah i would love um i would love a variety a good stable variety of tools yeah. uh out there in the way that you know, for other tool, like there's a, you know, there's a million synthesizers, there's a million guitars, there's a million uh, cameras. If you're a filmmaker or a photographer, like there's just so many options for those tools. And um, with games, it's like the tools are so, they're also very temporal because they actually have to run on, they have to build for contemporary hardware. Right. And that, that, Contemporary hardware in the computer space mutates quite substantially every few years. And so, um, you know, like my game is almost 10 years old. Jazzpunk's almost 10 years old. And people ask us, they're like, hey, can you port it to Switch? You know, can you port it to whatever? And and uh, and I was like, no, I can't. Because <laughs> it's built on a very old version of Unity that doesn't, that can't build for those modern platforms. Right. It's just it's severed the 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 lineage is severed and so um you know i'd love to hit a button and have a, a buildable version of jazz punk for the switch but i can't do that i actually would have to and it wouldn't be me it would be uh my partner jess is uh he's the programmer for our company but he would have to sit there and basically rebuild the entire game in a newer version of unity to make that feasible Right, um, that's that's not even like that's <laughs> within 
it's like, oh, I'm not adapting to a new OS. I'm adapting to a new version of the same software I'm using. Yeah, exactly. So that your projects like from and and I mean, anyone who works in Unity knows this, and I'm sure this is maybe partially true for Unreal, but like there's a million versions of Unity. Uh, it'll be like Unity point. 2017 f3 release to candidate long term and then and like the amount of versions of unity out there is uh, more than i could more than i can memorize it's yeah. insane and uh and all of them have different bugs and all of them have different porting capabilities and so it's like building your game on unity really doesn't even mean anything it's like building your game on a very specific version of unity uh, ends up becoming the thing. So it's like, imagine, you know, it's like, I don't know. Uh, you're learning on a guitar. You're, you're trying to make something on a guitar and they're like, Oh, you're using a Gibson version 2.3 BS two, you know, short term support UDF. Uh, you know, that doesn't actually, you can't record with those anymore. No, like that, the, it doesn't. Soft, that, the software is out of date. The guitar can actually make G chords, as it turns out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a bug. The G's turn to C's. Yeah. So, oh, uh, oh. you know, you go to the guitar store and you can't buy any strings anymore because none of these. Yeah, exactly. yeah. They're like, oh, they discontinued the strings for that particular model. Sorry, you yeah. know, should have picked a a more robust guitar to like build your music on yeah sorry and you're like cool okay well i wrote all my music on this guitar and they're like yeah well that guitar is a weird one-off um it's out of date so yeah. it sucks it really sucks invest trying to invest in game tools because the tools themselves deprecate um so rapidly uh it's a really, it's a really, it's a, it's a really bad problem. Um, I don't know. I wish there was just, I want more competition in that space. I would love a scrappy little game engine that, that just works. Right. And um, I can, I can build my dumb little 3D things in it. And uh, I, you know, I want something as stable as a guitar. Right. I love that you can go buy a guitar from 19, 58 and it still just has a quarter inch jack on it and you <laughs> yeah. can still plug it into any amp and there's no nothing has changed it's like literally the same technology um and i think it's amazing that like uh phones didn't change for like almost 100 years like you can go buy a bakelite phone from the 30s and and you could have used it in the 90s like it had the same yeah, it's just uh, that, that uh, same rip. jack. It's just the same wire. It had the same jack. <clears throat> it works. <laughs> yeah, and it would rip. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, exactly. So they stuck, like those standards stuck around for so long, and it made a very reliable. Uh, not to say that the twentieth century didn't have all kinds of problems. Right. <laughs> no, was, but the phones. <laughs> We're talking about phones here. So, well, the stability of them. The stability of the tools and the and the standards of those tools i think was in, like 35 millimeter film i love that i can go buy some random camera from the 70s and i can still go to a camera store and get 35 millimeter film and there's nothing obviously there's a bunch of obsolete film types and, and things and there's weirdo cameras you can get but like 
I can go grab a Canon AE-1 from 1975. I can plunk film in it and I can go shoot and there's nothing hindering that process. But if I go try to build a game on an engine from 10 years ago, good luck. Right. There's, I wonder how much of it is just like there being a physical standard and it's just like mentally harder for people to want to change it, you know, because then it's like, yeah. Oh, if we, if we change it, then all of these amps, like amps no longer work. And it's just like, it just human beings. Cause you know, software could work the same way, but a human is deciding to make it more obsolete, you know, or not just, you know, working to make sure that everything is backwards compatible to the best. Like this is all a thing. I guess it's also different platforms, you know, you know, there's gotta be new consoles every so often, I suppose for some reason. Yeah. I know it's funny. Cause I'll go back, I'll play a game from like, um, like a PlayStation one game or maybe a PlayStation two game. And honestly, I'm like, it could have just stopped here. Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't need, I don't play, I don't know. I go play a PlayStation five game. It's ostensibly a PlayStation two game with more shaders on it. Right. Like right. the, the, the gameplay isn't any better. It's literally so much so that the, they're remaking games and they're not really changing the gameplay. It's just that they've updated the graphical layer. Right. Of it. Because um, the secret, I mean, because gameplay is not like, it doesn't get, it never gets better, you know? Uh, it just people kind of glom onto different techniques, but it's not like it gets better. It's not like it's improving, you know. It can't. Uh, I think it could. Right. I think it could. It's just not how we think. It's not how the industry. The industry is still very um, graphically focused. Right. Uh, and scale focused, and not they don't invest in action. They don't invest in the evolution of games as a medium. They invest in the evolution of graphics as a as a yeah as a rendering um benchmark so the playstation 5 or whatever xbox something i don't even know what the fucking what it's called now but um the playstation 5 is like it's it's beefier in all of these ways except none of those things are most of those things are not about improving the evolution of gameplay yeah no. they're just about visual fidelity enhancement um and so last last week's guest megan byrne was talking about how she was like i would uh, like i would trade you know two generations of graphics for better crowds you know better crowd like better crowd generation kind of stuff because oh yeah of- yeah exactly there's all kinds of stuff you could throttle I would trade so many things. Like I, again, I'm f- I'm fine with PlayStation One or two graphics, right? Um, if as long as the game is being chewed on and being improved upon, I think that's more. Uh, it's very rare that I encounter a game where it felt like the investment was actually in looking for new types of, you know, interactive spaces. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Because like it's it's or like somebody like finds one, and then that becomes the kind of like the the gameplay style that gets iterated on for the next five, ten years or so. Someone's like, oh, I, tr- I tried something new, and then it becomes because you know the I I think people think, oh, well, this is the right way to play this game now. I guess to make an action game. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a generic type of, um, or there's a ubiquity. Like, there's a there's a term that Jess and I use. Is we refer to it as omni game. Yeah. Um, and so, ostensibly, all AAA games now have have merged into what I refer to as the omni game. Uh, and so, like, I'll go and buy. I mean, the, the the this kept happening. I kept going and buying a new AAA game, and it would be whatever God of War. Horizon Zero Dawn, Ghosts right. of Tsushima, Fallout 4, um, I don't know, the list goes on. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, I don't know. Anyway, I go yeah. uh, I go and I play them and I'm like, oh, it's the same game. Right, they have a it's cursor literally... <laughs> on, for, my, for my menus. Have, oh not even no yeah. it's it's not that it's like it's like the game it's it's like okay here's a big open world you know go pillage all of the bodies for loot right like here's your stats here's the skill tree like uh here's the npc with the generic side quest where i go and i collect some shit and i bring it back and i don't know it just I, I would play them and I was like, oh, okay, these are all just different paint jobs on like the same skeleton. And um, they don't feel distinct enough from each other. Whereas there was a time when every time you would go and you'd play a game, they were still experimenting with all of those. Um, just the idea of making like a, a an explorable environment was so yeah. novel and new that every game even games that were sort of trying to copy each other would end up very different because the way in which you would, the way in which you would make a 3d explorable space was not, it hadn't been solidified yet. It hadn't been codified yet. Um, and so when I go back and I play a 3d, when I go back and I play like basically all PlayStation one games, I think are really fascinating because the rules that the concrete had not set yet. Yeah. So when you go when you play a shooter, everyone is doing it a little bit differently. When you play a racing game, everyone's doing it a little bit differently. Um, when you play an RPG, eh, RPG's got uh, RPG's got codified a lot earlier, yeah, I think. Um, but there's still there's still a lot of weird ones in there. Like, there's still weird ones. Yeah, I think that's because I think that helps because well, I mean. Well, I think part of the problem is like people are like, oh, we've codified them, realizing that you don't actually need to codify anything. That like that was never the goal. Uh, yeah. Is is to, uh, like is to, the goal was never to try and solve three D exploration. Uh, people are just looking for yeah. solutions. Yeah, I like the idea that every developer kind of had to figure out their own. Because when you when you have to paint a world. Um, and you're you're met with limitations. Uh, you then have to make really uh, careful decisions about what you're going to include in that world, and those end up being a form of constraint. And so, it's expressive because when there's constraints, you have to make hard choices. You're like, okay, well, do I really need like waving tall grass in this landscape, or is that orthogonal to the problem i'm trying to solve which is this is a game about um you know uh whatever raising um deer yeah. or something i don't know Maybe there's just would... you have to make these you have to make those choices and yeah, like yeah now that the, the systems are so powerful that you don't have to make those choices anymore so that it just becomes everything in the kitchen sink 
uh, is included because it can, the system can handle it now. PlayStation 5 can handle everything that you throw at it. Um, Every given game it, can, can have 8,000 NPCs that all have a procedurally, procedurally generated quest for me that I yeah complete. To complete. And you can... And you can copy mechanics from another popular game and just toss them in at, without much, you know, there's not memory constraints on that. So, um, you know, I always say, like, I really love the first Metal Gear Solid because it's, it, you know, it's running on a, on a 33 megahertz system. It's like it has to make really hard choices about what interactions it's giving you at any given time. And then I found with each subsequent game, as the systems got more powerful, they just let you sort of, they just kept adding shit that you can yeah. do. Um, but then it didn't feel as, um, it didn't feel as honed in. It felt uh, burdens. It felt burdensome. Um, Cause there's just too much, uh, like every single button on the controller, like, you know, you're crouching and then you're sort of semi holding your gun, but then you can like all the buttons were on a PlayStation two, like all the buttons were analog. So there's yes. all these weird things where you can like carefully ease off the square button and you'll like put your gun away. And it's like, if you sneeze while you're playing that game, <laughs> right. uh, well, you could to... like accidentally like pull a fucking walrus out of your pocket and right. like or set it on fire. I'm just trying to hold something. up this guy, and I sneezed and I shot him. Yeah, or or you sneezed and you put your gun away, and then he's like, you know, he went full alert again, and then there's like 30 guys trying to hunt you down. Um, so it's a really annoying kind of space to be in because it's like, it's not, it doesn't feel filtered towards an experience it's sort of like everything that could have been included was included um it's like the opposite of you know brevity is the soul of wit right it's the opposite of that it's like exposition is the soul of wit according yes, to right. all of these people right a, a video game will, sp will spend 80 hours to tell you that i'm selling shoes because my baby died yeah and, exactly and i i went through thirty thousand side quests to get to that point uh, I, I think, I mean, I've been saying video games need like just to be edited a little, you know, just, 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 a, just a tad, just like shave. I mean, cause the one, the weird thing I hear from people a lot, cause I, I try to go to like more non game spaces to hawk my wares and like the thing I hear which from, is how I met you. Yes, exactly. I, at, at Canzine, which is not a video game festival yeah. at all. But no, I was very surprised to see you there. I was like, what are you doing here? Who yeah, let you no, in? I, I was surprised to see <laughs> like there was like 10 people I knew there. It was very bizarre. It was a strange experience. The, <laughs> Toronto, apparently the home of Indie Apocalypse. But yeah, yeah, just move here. Yeah, it's the same general temperature, same general vibe. Kind of. I can. Yeah, the weather's not better. No, no. I, you know, as a as a New Englander, it basically feels basically the same. It's lateral. Yeah. And you guys have different things there. You got poutine. That you, I could go to Jollibee in Toronto. I screwed. I've never up. been to a Jollibee. I screwed up. I wanted to go to Jollibee, I... and I forgot about it. And I was like, ah, oh, shit! I like, forgot Toronto has them. People are really weird with the poutine. It's just 
it's just gravy on fries with like some cheese. Like, like it's so, it's so not a recipe. Yeah. It's so like, like I don't, I have no, um, there's no national pride in it. Like it's, it's not a recipe. It's like you dumped some shit on a thing that was already delicious. Yeah. It's just, just, Um, but that's, I mean, it's the weird thing where when I travel, that's, I like the, like, not the, like the, Oh, here's our local best such and such restaurant. Like what's your local horse shit? You know, (laughs) like what's, yeah. Yeah. What is like, what can I, I guess it's just weird to me that that's regional. Yeah. Like I don't, there's no, like, like what's fries supreme in a Taco Bell, but like uh, just a variation on poutine. Like you dumped some shit that's already delicious on top of French fries. Um, huh. It's just, it's like, it's, it's so not a recipe. You know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yes. Yeah, no, it is. It's right. Like, it's, it's just like good food piled on top of good food. I mean, you, you dump things. Yeah, fries. exactly. You're going to be hard pressed to make fries taste bad. Honestly. I'm sure you could do it. Yeah, uh, no, I I feel like fries. I feel like if you dumped a bunch of mustard on fries, I think that would suck. I um, like mustard a lot, though. So <laughs> maybe I like it, but I don't want mustard on every fry. Yeah, that's a that well, would I... really ooh, that that bums me out to think about that. I understand it, but I but you'll find no complaints from me here. I'll dip fries. In <laughs> okay, you do. I, <laughs> you failed to reach, you uh, failed to reach your target audience, though I agree with you. Okay, let me uh, rejig that. What else yeah. would ruin it? But also, mm. like like three nights ago, I was at a friend's house and I was just eating raw Brussels sprouts. So out of the fridge, raw, raw. They're good, man. They're good. Just like a raw Brussels raw? sprout. A, cold, a nice fresh cold raw Brussels sprout. Just mun- they're a little hard to munch when you when you're thinking about it, but. Uh, they taste good, man. Oh. I like them. But I you're like, gonna do really well in the apocalypse. Yeah, that. I guess what I'm saying is I have a, a I have, I don't like olives very much. Um, that's like okay. my. You're not in my camp. You're out of my camp. Yeah. Get out of. We're, that's that's, that's <laughs> my. you a horse and sending you out of the city. That's my food kryptonite. But aside from that, I have a very. I'm I'm the person who says who he'll tell you that you should just eat a kiwi whole and you won't even notice. Uh, and with I, the skin? Yes. You don't oh, even notice. Man. What do you mean you don't know? It's like sand it's literally sand paper. <laughs> no, no, man. I was there was one day where I was like, I'm sick of spooning this kiwi, I'm just gonna eat it. And I was like, barely even notice. <sighs> You right, well, gotta... you'll you'll do very well in the apocalypse. I will. But, um... I'm I'm planning on. I'm prepping. That's that's my but that's my prepper style. No, no guns, no canned foods, just the ability to eat raw fruit. Yeah, but you're out of my. If I ever see you near yeah. my olive kiwi uh, fort, um, I'm shooting. Yeah, I'm like don't because we skin our kiwis in Fort Luis. Yes, and uh, olives are also delicious. So I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah, no. I'll... I mean, more olives for me. So maybe, maybe you're allowed. Right, I'll grimace and maybe I... if I have to. But uh. is it just you didn't eat them as a kid? Is it one of those? I think it. I I think even as a kid I didn't like them, and I I just never. They're just too salty. Too salty oh. for me. I don't know what it is, but anyway, we've reached the food po- talk portion of Indiepocalypse, which is my favorite portion. This is like <laughs> finally we're fucking sick of video games. I hate those things. 
I love food. Man. Oh, it's the, the what are your um? Do you maintain like a list of uh, questions? Uh, like, do you have a like a do you have a list of like interview questions? I've I've been thinking I should get more of them. Um, because usually my, <laughs> here's my interview questions. Uh, what's that thing you made? Um, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> what's what's that thing? And and if you and if and see most of the most of the guests are indie apocalypse contributors, so I ask them. Hey, how did you hear about this thing? So I can get other people to hear about it. Uh, so right. I can get other people submit it. Cause that's really like the only thing that will kill Indie apocalypse is people not submitting to it. Uh, right. It'll survive indefinitely. That's otherwise. Good. That sounds like a robust system. Yeah. A system based purely on submission. Right. Cause like I, I, from even from like five years ago, I budgeted so that like, I was like, no one's ever going to buy this thing, but I want to do it. So I'm like, what is a budget that is affordable that I can do it if nobody buys it? And that's my right. budget. And since then, it, it works no, out that's pretty good. well for me. Uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you do it. I <laughs> wish um, I wish it was like you and, you know, 30 other people. Like, like uh, it'd be nice to go to a, a zine-style thing zine canzine or whatever zine fair but it's all different punks and weirdos and stuff selling their sort of their own version of that you know yeah yeah like I, that, that would be so healthy if that existed i am trying to part of my goal for 2024 is like what if can i get this can i get indie apocalypse can i get university libraries to buy indie apocalypse uh can i get like local game shops and stuff to stock indie apocalypse you know and I that have... would be cool did you did you go to anc games when you were in toronto i did not i did not oh my, you're, my it was toronto like across st the street from uh... oh my stay in toronto was oh, like first. very short. yeah it was like across the street oh okay it was across the street from the canzine so was, i wish it would have it would have been like a five minute yeah, fuck. I didn't think of that. Anyway, it was like yeah, it was like a five minute walk from where I met you. Yeah, but that is like I'm thinking about stuff like that. Of like, I mean, I've already told, I've already had like three, two or three people reach out to me and be like, "Hey, um, how do you do that tape thing you do?" And I'm like, "I'll give you all the info. This is here is a bunch of story links or whatever. Here's how you, because I think like." Uh, game developers need like that zine level of artists, you know, the, the, I play my band at the local bar level of artist accessibility, you know? Yeah. I think that's important. Um, that's sort of, uh, well, that's the thing. It's like, you want, you want things that are slightly lower investment because that's where you learn. Yeah. And that's where you, um, pivot like it's a much more nimble space when games get larger and more complicated, you lose the ability to iterate and pivot and, and, uh, and mutate just like as a, not just like as a creator, but as an audience. Um, and yeah, the thing is like games just got so big and complicated that they're, they're like a really slow moving, not evolving um, like you know juggernaut or like a lummox or something yeah. like they just don't they don't feel nimble and they don't feel they don't really feel like they can pivot on on um 
whatever the inflection points of like society and technology and and taste and uh in the way that music is obviously much more malleable and, and right and music and, like, and uh you know that's st- that a lot of that kind of stuff gets made on like you know and upload on itch but like what is the cultural footprint of that you know yeah <clears throat> yeah and i don't meet uh, like there aren't local places where I go and I meet a bunch of um, itch developers. Yeah. And, and we, you know, swap tapes or like demo are uh, the things that we're working on. Like they just don't, it just doesn't have that like sharing show and tell. Like that's the thing with the music scene is there's a little bit of a show and tell. So you'll play like a little dive bar and, uh, or you'll go to see a show at a little local bar um and you know a lot of the time you see people working on a new album in process like yeah in progress and they're still figuring it out a little bit and they're testing things out and you know they'll say like oh you know this is a new song uh you know i'm playing it here for the first time like it just feels like it's like it's people learning but they're learning in public and with games you don't get that thing i mean you you get it every night. You know, I went to a maze for the first time this year in uh, Berlin and you can see a little bit of it. It, it shows like that, but those shows themselves are so large and um, you know, there's still, you're paying like a big ticket to get into them. Right. They're not, they're not, they're not like a $5 dive bar show. They're right. Like, right. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm flying to another country and paying, you know, for a, uh, uh, a ticket for this like festival um and uh you know it's like that would be like flying to somewhere and paying a ticket for a music festival like some 120 dollar music festival ticket right. and that's those aren't spaces where people are like trying shit out iterating finding community yada yada trading tapes trading zines s- selling stickers selling you know uh so that's the thing it's like with indie games i feel really there's a missing uh, local iterative community. We're showing and telling the things that we're fucking around with. Right. Right. It's missing that. It's missing that tier, whatever that is, that whatever that's called. Yeah. yeah like I, you know, I, I had to fly to Kansian, but Kansian costs like $40 <laughs> Canadian. Exactly. And yeah, like I, I, I went to like a, I go, I would go pretty routinely to a local market down in Rhode Island and it cost $40, you know, right. for like a full huge table. That's space. perfectly, that's perfectly manageable for, you know, um, for like a, uh, a small operation. Right. And it's a perfect, you know, and those venues aren't huge. You're not filling a, a giant, like, what is the thing? Um, the Moscone Center in San Francisco right. or whatever is where the... And it's like, okay, fuck, I'm going to pay like $2,000 for a booth at the Moscone Center yeah. to show my game. And I'm like, that's not an easy... That's a very high barrier to entry. Yes. <laughs> um, and and uh, Indie Mega Booth, I, uh, you know, they were trying to sort of like, okay, well, Indie Mega Booth, okay, we're going to buy a bulk chunk of space and then we're going to chop it up into these little mini kiosks for for young you know experimental developers to like show their stuff so i get that they were trying to create a little micro space 
But there's still for like people two grand. to part. To, but there's still to, yeah, it's still an expensive fucking thing, and it's like you'd think an industry as rich as video games could, you know, shave off a couple bucks. Yeah. For the little like, guy. Like I, I live close enough to drive to Pax East, so I wouldn't even have to pay travel costs, and I'm still, and I would still, I still would side eye like a two thousand dollar mega booth fee. You know, I'm like that's still a lot of, still a lot of money. That's a that's a fuck ton of money. That's a new computer, right? Um, or you know, a really expensive uh, Nintendo game in box. And like so, and and, and how much, and how many people sell things there? And that's like a ninety percent, like ninety nine percent of those people are hosting demo booths. You know. Yeah, when yeah, I they're go, not. When, they're when not. I go really to my local sell markets. Shit. I'm selling shit. I make that forty bucks back every single time. Yeah. yeah, that's great. As you know, as you should. And it's like, again, when you're playing like small, sh- you know, if you're a musician, you're playing small shows in your town. Um, you know, hopefully you're making at least enough money that night to to pay for, you know, whatever your your uh, taxi or your, you know, yeah, hopefully you're selling a couple tapes. I mean, it's yeah. not even really like at this. It's not even really about money. Not to say that like money isn't an important component but right like, but but it, it limits the people who like you know to limits it to the people who can afford to not think about money as much yes ex- exactly and i think that's like a really that that conversation is lost in um in a lot of game spaces where and and part of it too is like there's only a handful of cities in the world that even really have um sizable game communities yeah um and toronto has a lot of game developers but it doesn't feel like it has much of a game community in the way that it did 10 years ago um right right and not not cohesively very weird because a lot of my experience with local scenes is they they feel also very industry bound or very like uh, industry like you know traditional game space minded in terms of like what design is and what their goals are and everything they're not like the same as like a yeah. art scene yeah uh, which is a lot more personal and can be a lot more eclectic uh sort of depending on the the brains of that era um yeah. so i don't know what the toronto art scene looks like anymore but also all the scenes in general just got fucked up from you know, two, three years of pandemic. Right, right. So a million venues closing and, you know, people getting used to being online and all those kinds of things. And and also just everyone scattering and moving. Yeah, right. Like so many, so many people I know have moved in the past three years because whatever the, the situation of their life was uh, or their job or whatever has, has shifted. Um, and so I still feel like there was this massive, uh, gut flora die off right like it's like when you get a, a really bad flu and you lose all your gut flora and um you basically can't digest anything for like a year <laughs> while your right. intestine tries to like rebuild its ability to like process food um and so right now i kind of feel like that's where we're at like we're we're not we're not necessarily in the the pit of sickness that we were, but we're still regrowing all of the, um, we're still regrowing all of the ability we have to like, you know, chew on, um, 
art, whether yeah, the, the, the art is music or games or whatever it is. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, optimistically, the kids are all right, as they say. Uh, my are they? My experience, like one of my best shows I did was at a college, you know, they were like, yeah. I think my my working theory is that like, kind of like we were talking about on the show or before the show, I can't remember where it was uh, about internet as utility. Um, people growing up with games having always existed in their mind, I think it's easier for them to process games equal art, you know, because it's just like, hmm. why wouldn't they be able to be? They don't have the same cultural baggage of games starting as very clearly like toys, you know, marketed towards kids. Right. They, they just exist as another, like another medium. You know, like they're just a faucet. It's just another faucet that's always been there. Right, right. So it's like, oh, of course they're not limited to these styles, and like they they can be sort of anything. Where I, I you know, I run into that uh, problem sometimes with older, even older people who, you know, uh, older, louder yeah. voices in games, uh, who broadly gesture vaguely towards itch.io. Um, right. Uh, and like, do you have you do you spend any time on it, or do you just know that as a place where other games live? You know, right? Um, there's a <clears throat> there is definitely a generational uh, divide where, um, and I see this with older developers, where it's like if you lived through the '80s and you experienced games via arcade. Uh, arcade being the primary like distribution platform of just video games in general, you know, before, before anyone owned a console or could own a console. Um, and there's something about, they never let go of their quarters, right? Like the way that they think about a game or like to them, it has been cemented fully that a game is a punishing, uh, a punishing set of systems designed to kill you such that you will have to put another quarter into the machine and and you can't unlearn that like they're they're caught in that gear ostensibly forever um that is what games are to them yeah. and so for those of so for, for those of us who grew up with games that had like save systems in them and were not not fully about just killing you at every turn such that you would have to put in an invisible quarter. Uh, and in some ways, like save systems sort of became their own, like, you know, I'd say like ink ribbons and resident evil are a type of quarter, right. Uh, analogous to a quarter where you're like, Oh, I've only got six ink ribbons. Like, can I, you know, make it through this with, 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 with the limitation of, you know, lives. Um, and uh, it's taken a long time, like it's taken 20 years-ish for people to unlearn that concept. So it's a, anyway, I'm just saying it's a funny thing that I encounter with older developers. I'll see their games and I'll be like, okay, you still have quarters in your pocket. Like you're yeah, still yeah. designing things with, with, a, with a pack of quarters. And it's like a, a younger generation where that's not how they interacted with games at all. And in fact, arcade games are um, rather novel and foreign to them. Uh, they just don't think within those terms anymore. It's like, right. it's, there's even like, you know, so yeah. pe plenty of people who trend away from the idea of like objective based games entirely, you know, right. Uh, of, uh, you know, or like accomplishment based, whatever you want to like that. It is a mechanical challenge. 
uh, to uh, complete a game. Where that, that yeah, the difficulty comes from one interacting yeah. with it. Yeah, it is funny that that became a standardized component of the medium where it's like, yeah, uh, the whole reason it exists is to put up layers of difficulty or obfuscation in, in even just, in just standing there. Right. Like there's so many games, like for 20 odd years, they're like, you can't just stand there. If you stand there, you're, it's over. Yeah. Right. And, um, I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go back. Whatever. I'll play something from the '80s or early early '90s. And uh, if you stand there, like literally, there's some timer in the corner yeah. that will tick down, and then it's like, you know, whatever the you know the Super Mario music kicks in, it starts like it's like okay, like get the you know hurry the fuck up, get the fuck out of here, da 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 da. Or um, if you play Bubble Bobble, like ghosts uh, start uh, spawning. Uh, on the on the, I don't know if you ever played Bubble Bobble, yeah, but, I, I, I'm familiar uh, with Bob and Bob. The, they blow bubbles, uh, waterfalls. Yeah, on. but if you if you hang up too long, some fucking uh, like phantoms yeah, pop up. Right, right, and they Fini- start finish, going for you. Finish the level, buddy. We're on a, it, yeah, it, yeah. They're like, get get the fuck out of here. Come on, like, what are you doing? It is very strange. It's like a no loitering time. The the idea that uh, games like. What what I mean it could just it should just be like a a style of game rather than like the dominant like this is how games work kind of thing like the assumed default state of a game is a a challenge often combat based sort of game when that realistically like within the the realm of interactivity is like just like a small slice of what it could be. Oh yeah, like I mean um, a style. We've barely we've barely mapped the space of what a game can what a game even is right just as a just as an interactive system we don't have a long history of that um and like it, it you know I, I have a i have a bunch of like anecdotal things that i pull up from time to time like games in the sense of like chess have existed for thousands of years versions of it but like you know, there's old Egyptian board games, you know. Yeah. Um, so games in that sense, in the sort of board game, you know, chess, go, checkers, uh, like those sorts of games have existed forever. And um, and so when you make a digital version of that, you're not necessarily, you're not creating an entirely new thing. But when you make a game where you're ostensibly making a false world to be explored or like to um, locomote through a, a, a fully synthesized space. That's a new thing. Cause you never could have done that. You know, maybe if you were some emperor and you could hire, right. you know, a thousand men to go build like an artificial place. And, and certainly there are like Chinese um, emperors and stuff that did do crazy things like this. Like there's that, you know, uh, there's that emperor, that story of like, he made, um, he made his servants build a exact scale replica of like his entire empire in miniature. And the lakes were filled with liquid mercury. Um, apparently he went 
he, he died of mercury poisoning. Oh, oh. <laughs> spoiler. Yes. Spoiler alert for that guy. I forget which emperor it was, but so it's like, unless you were exorbitantly rich, you could sort of create a synth- synth- synthetic space to, yeah. you know, explore. But really it was just, it was not a thing you could ever do. So when you make a game like that, it's a brand new type of expressive medium. And we've really only been able to do that for 30, 40 ish years, depending. Right. Um, that's a, that's a very new thing. And so we just don't know. I mean, imagine, imagine we're only 40 years into literature. Right. Like and, how, and, even, and like even more so in terms of just like a, a regular, just an average person can do it. Cause like the tech, like the expense right. of the tech hurdle is probably what, like even 10 or 20 years since just like, right computers became widely accessible enough that you would just assume that you would have a computer that could run a piece of game making software that just like most yeah i'd say i'd say it's about yeah i'd say it's been about 25 years since like an average person with an average computer could create a synthetic space right and um i'd argue that really began with um id software releasing their tools for whatever it would have been doom or um you know doom quake wolfenstein whatever and then subsequently uh 3d realms releasing their um build engine like duke uh, duke nukem uh world building stuff it's like it wasn't until those companies were benevolent enough to release their personal home rolled uh environment creation tools that uh, you know just a, some teenage kid could install it on their boring you know uh system and start making artificial spaces yeah. without any you know not having to be like a world-class computer science you don't actually have to be john carmack level of programmer to go and make like a quake 2 map that's pretty amazing yeah the, my <laughs> my my first game making experience was in starcraft you know was okay was hammering at their map editor and then it had like logic loops and like it had the kind of like Mm -hmm. tools that you You could piece together some shit you could piece together some real stuff i don't know if you've heard of mobas you know (laughs) yeah exactly an entire well that's the thing it's like we get the whole moba and the whole like counter-strike yeah um it's all i mean in in many ways yeah, and like I mean, the entire lineage of Call of Duty owes itself to both the existence of Counter Strike, of which I would argue it's very largely influenced by, but also the fact that the first Call of Duty was a Quake Three mod. Right. Um, the very first Call of Duty was like a World War Two Quake Three thing, um, and so again, it's like it's a it's this weird trickle down from like largely id software allowing people to use their tools to to make stuff is like that was such a and and you know and blizzard who used to also be a really badass company i i, I don't have any um i, I don't I have like, anything good to say about them now i had to think for a second if they were the same company now but they're not <laughs> yeah no wait, they're oh, wait wait are I, they wait it bought uh, bethesda microsoft you, bought bethesda right it wasn't didn't bethesda buy id and then microsoft bought bethesda like, it's like that old like limerick, like you know, ate the cat that ate the wheat, like the you know, ate the rat that ate the cat that hit the dog that digged the dead, but it uh, uh like I, 
I, I it's too many layers of yeah but the fact that you know so you say starcraft for me it was warcraft 2 right uh uh, what was it called? Warcraft Two: Tides of Darkness, I think. Correct. I Tides looked at that box cover a lot. I was like, "Oh, I could get that," but I I didn't have a PC or whatever that I could play Tides. at the time. Tides of Darkness. So uh, that had a you know um, as a precursor to the StarCraft thing. Like that had a yeah. full map editor, and I remember my cousin and I, we would do this thing where, um, because that game was awesome. Like I love all the you know. Zug, zug, zug. Yeah, uh, it's like just, all it's, the. It's extremely like it's weird to think of it like it now when there was like such a weird, <laughs> extremely formative games in the past and like what they have like continued yeah, on to devolved into. Yeah, and I'd say that they're in a worse. They're certainly in a less. I like that Warcraft Two was this weird scrappy, RTS thing, and it had a sense of humor. Um, it was just, it was, inter- it was it was an interesting thing. It was a yeah. really interesting thing. But we would do this thing where, uh, you know, one of us would leave the room and I'd, and you know, whatever, go make a sandwich or something. And the other, like, I would sit in the room and I would make a map and then he would come in and play it and I'd watch him play it. And then I would leave the room and he'd make a map and then I'd come in and play it. So we would do this trade-off thing where we'd make, like, maps for each other to play. Yeah. Um. And that level editor was so good that you could really do that in like you could make a crappy little map in you know half an hour, forty minutes. Yeah, um, I, I I played StarCraft obsessively, and I will tell you, I've maybe played like three actual like RTS. I'm gathering resource <laughs> style matches online of StarCraft. They're all just like weird uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, games. <laughs> but uh, that's funny. I am also mildly obsessed with. They were also cool as hell. Like when I think back of like they were cool, like in in like the the fastidiousness to like recreating like. It was very bizarre. Like, so I, everyone, I'm gonna sit and talk about Dragon Ball Z games on StarCraft for a second. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm pro. So, I so, was also a teenager. Yeah, so <laughs> I remember. I remember something they would often do. You would play like DBZ Frieza Saga. And you would, there would be different slots of like, here are the characters, and like if you're a slot one, you're a Goku. If you're slot two, you're Krillin or whatever. And like, they, let's ignore the lobby politics of I want to be Goku, I want to be Krillin, I want to be Vegeta. Like, right. no one wants to be. Right. By the way, what was that? No one wants to be Krillin. But... No. Krillin. <laughs> Krillin's got nothing. So, so the extra layer of not wanting to be Krillin, okay, if we talk in this particular version <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of. So how it works is it's it's recreating the Frieza saga. So Goku, like, literally does nothing for, like, 90% of the game. Like, right. the Goku player is, like, sitting in their chamber training. That's all they're doing. Just punching and getting right. all the gravity uh, power. Exactly. So they are uh, they are like a StarCraft ghost, and they are shooting SCVs called the Gravity Level 1 or whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> they get resources to get points so that they'll upgrade to the next level of their character or whatever. While, like, the Krillin guy is, like, p- playing out the story. <clears throat> and, like, it right. like, takes turns like that. They're super bizarre games. Like these, like asynchronous mm. multiplayer kinds of like they're fascinating. I, I one of these days, I want to host a game jam that is people trying to recreate StarCraft 
like those use map settings customs maps and people just trying to recreate them and like reinterpret those ideas into another video game are those do those exist in a repository anywhere uh, or is that at least all on my like... computer they do there was a repository at oh some you point. still you still have the goku the frieza saga yes. starcraft files i do whatever they are um at one point i downloaded oh, someone made a repository of all use map settings games and i downloaded that zip file how big was it uh it was it, i mean probably not that big <laughs> a couple gigs maybe <laughs> okay uh yeah uh, old stock a million games. maps yeah a million maps 50 megabytes can you handle i don't know if can I, you handle it i don't know if i can can i look where is it uh where would i have it on my computer I'm trying to think of where. Okay, I mean, I'm really glad to hear that that stuff is preserved because yes. um, I was part of the Half-Life One mod scene in the late '90s, and uh, honestly, that stuff doesn't exist anywhere. Like, I remember um, Planet. You know, it used to be all those Planet uh, websites, like Planet Half-Life, Planet yes. uh, Team Fortress, Planet whatever uh, Quake. So. Planet Half-Life was like, that was my homepage for years. Um, it was just the first thing that I checked every time I went on the internet. And it was very active. And it would always announce, like, here's the newest mods. Here's, you know, map uh, pack packs. Here's texture packs. Like, they were just, it was just an active, active, active community. And I've gone back and tried to grab, you know, um, different mods and different like bots like multiplayer bots were a big thing for a while because yeah. they weren't built into the game so you'd have to you'd ostensibly have to install a mod that would allow you to play bots in uh, deathmatch and i went back and tried to find you know like jumbot and uh, all these like weird bots and i couldn't i couldn't find them anywhere like the repositories like all the links were dead all the websites were ghost um domains uh all the file spaces had gone down and it's and it's all stuff that the internet archive was like not particularly good at ho holding on to so yeah yeah no um, i i have there's a uh you know an indie a folder called indie games and i've and i've peeked in there and some of them are as far as i can tell do not exist on the internet anymore like that's huge that's really important that you ret re retain that or even upload it somehow someday. Yeah, I, I, I don't know because, like, you know, do people want their, these things uploaded? The creators, the original creators want these games uploaded still, you know? Or they're like, I'm glad that it's scrubbed. It's it's, it's a weird thing, but I have... I was trying... I, I thought of that because I was trying I mean, to find where I put that StarCraft folder, but who knows? I'll tell you a little... I'll tell you a little anecdote yeah. which might answer your question. So... Um, you know, maybe about 10 or 12 years ago, I got a Vectrex, if you know the Vectrex. Um, I think I do. You know, Vectrex is from, yeah, look it up. Uh, so a Vectrex is a... Yes, okay, I do. I've, I've used a Vectrex. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're amazing when you see one, like they're magic to stare at and yeah. interact with. Um, so I got a Vectrex maybe, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, and I got one for very cheap because, uh... You know this full insane um uh vintage game you know price hike thing hadn't happened yet 
And, uh, and I got really into the idea of programming a Vectrex and like making my own, you know, little, whatever Vectrex, uh, uh games. Getting your own cellophane. Um, so was... what, 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 what was that? Getting your own cellophane overlays. Oh, well, that's the absolute last, uh, <laughs> that would be the, that'd be funny to go from it, uh, you know, from that direction first, like, okay, I got my cellophane. What's right. the game? Um, but uh, I think they're, what are they? They're like acetate. Uh, anyway, I was, you know, so I was trying to learn how to program this thing and it's all, it's like 6809 assembly. It's very, it's very complicated. Um, and, uh, and so I started waiting. I was trying to, you know, find resources for programming one of these things. And um, of course it's a, it's a super dead system. There's tiny little pockets of the internet that were interested in it, but for, you know, it's, it's, it's the esoteric of the esoteric. Yeah. And so what I would find is I'd find these old Usenet forums from like the eighties where these, uh, you know, computer science, uh, students, a lot of them like college students and, um, just various types of like computer science nerds are hanging out in these Usenet forums and they're talking about, you know, making Vectrex games. And, uh, that was the most useful, those, those ended up being the most useful resources. And it was only because Usenet uh, forums have been backed up um, very well, like they've been archived very well. And in a couple of cases, I would actually uh, find a guy on the forum, you know, with a 20 year old post. And I would email, I'd find his email in, in the forum archives. I'd email him in, you know, today or, or whatever it would have been 2012 and at this point he's like married he's you know he's been divorced he's got kids he's he's had a whole life right it's been 30 years or whatever since he wrote this and they were so enamored and they were so fucking happy to not only know that there were still you know kids in quotes out there programming and interested in the vectrex but that they had that they were interested in the code that they had written 20, 30 years ago. Like they were so happy to answer questions, to talk about it, to anything. Like they were just the nicest. They were so happy to know that their stuff had lived on um, because they had put all those things away. They put all those toys away. Right. And in most cases, I don't think they even owned a Vectrex anymore. Like the, the Vectrex was gone from their life. So I would just say that I think in most cases, if you were to repost people's, you know, StarCraft maps or whatever, Quake, you know, maps from 20 years ago games that I have. Yeah. I think, I think in most cases, people are really happy to know that the thing that they were in love with at one point in their life and and probably was the thing that they ate, breathed and slept for months, if not years, I think they'd be really heartened to know that there's actually still people out there who, who care. Um, Because, because there's a lot, especially with digital stuff, you never really, it's not like music. You don't get to meet your fans. Right, right. So you don't get to ever know the, you know, if you play live music long enough, at some point, someone comes up to you and says, hey, I really love that performance. You know, it meant so much to me, yada, yada. You don't get that with, with uh, mods or you don't yeah. get that with, with, with games in general. So the idea that someone would come up to you 20 years later and say you made the dragon ball z frieza saga 
Oh. Dark. You know, imagine if you could meet that person. What if I could meet that person? Uh, Who if, what if you me? met that person? Yeah. I like you could be, you know, you could be at a conference and someone could just say that. Like, By the way, you know, 20 years ago, I made the Frieza Saga uh, right. Starcraft thing. And you're your uh, monocle would pop out right i'd be and you invented the madness on starcraft yeah. the whole subgenre of <laughs> anyway yeah geez, yeah. yeah there is like a I, there there's so much of it right. i think they'd be really heartened they'd be really heartened to know that you not only played their little thing yeah. but that it that it stuck with you like right. it was formative in some capacity oh um, yeah no, i've i'm generally obsessed with like uh, like i said that you know that was my teen years like get from school day in day out which is like playing these games like non-stop mm -hmm. and it was it it's like i can almost i'm looking at little screens and like i can almost identify them. i was like <laughs> i was getting into like i remember there's all the, the minutiae of the subcultures of like you put how many how many exclamation points will you put in front of your game so it appears higher on the search queue? Um, oh, because it was alphabetic. Yeah, it was alphabetical. So you just like if you want people to play your game, if you want people to join your use map setting game, you had eight million exclamation points or people adding exclamation points to their file. It's just so much stuff. Um, I did I did yeah, eventually like find dumb. that. Um, it's uh, two point two six gigs for the archive master. Oh. And there, is, there is still a GitLab up available of all these games. Okay. That's really all good these to maps. know. And the final piece of, of bookkeeping, um, Blizzard and id both owned by Microsoft game studios. Uh, <laughs> boo. <laughs> both subsidiaries. What's Microsoft ever done. Only uh, thing Microsoft ever did that was any good was, um, midtown madness. Yeah. Or, I don't know. I thought I think that that fun. I think that paperclip guy is kind of fun. <laughs> a good cultural uh, touchstone. Clippy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's in an ironic sense. I'm just saying, like, I like um, what was it? Motocross madness. I like Midtown madness. You not a not a big uh, Fusion Frenzy a fan. <laughs> what's Fusion Frenzy? It's like a party game one. It's for cool kids. Uh, <laughs> a party game for cool kids. For you know, like Mario was it kids. on? But I'm like a, I'm like a trans club kid, so I'm like into. Did they actually make Fusion Friends? I don't remember if they actually made it. But that's besides the point. Oh, we're approaching. Uh, we're getting close to two hours. This show's got to end eventually. Uh, oh, does it? Okay. Yes. I mean, it should end eventually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, no, Blitz Games developed out. it. What else did Blitz? Oh, oh. Blitz Games developed a lot of stuff. I like Blitz Games made Glover. Oh, that's why they had that's, that's why they probably had all that ball stuff because they had made Glover. They made the Reservoir Dogs video game. Jesus. I just saw that the other day at the thrift store. Or 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 they helped with it. No, no, Blitz has a bunch of different names it seems, perhaps. Oh, I see. But I think they did make Yeah, let's play, let's play some shitty PS2. How how is the what is the <laughs> Reservoir Dogs video game? <laughs> Truly. Oh God. That's like, back when they were um, just purchasing light. Because there was like a, you know, they made a Godfather game. They yeah. made a, um, uh, uh, what's it? Um, you know, Tony Montana uh, face game. Yeah. They made, they were trying to make a taxi driver game. It got canceled, but there's like footage of it. Um, 
but yeah, they were trying to take all these like old movie properties and turn them into games. I think they did an Italian job game. They um, did. They did. I think I've played it. I think I've beaten it. Yeah. They were really hungry for just properties that they could try to convert into. I mean, they were all ostensibly GTA, but yeah. uh, oh no, no, they got hooked on that idea. I was thinking of, oh, what's that game? It's Getaway? Uh, what? Getaway? I think so. Is that the English crime thing where you, you get hurt and you lean against the wall? I never got that far because it's maybe getaway might be one of the worst design games I've ever encountered um, in my life. <laughs> uh, like it literally starts with an unbeatable car chase. Um, I, 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 yes, yes. Cause getaway black Monday. Yes, it is the getaway. I've <laughs> mildly burned. I couldn't get past the, yeah, I couldn't get past the first, like it literally opens with a car chase that I could not complete. The getaway is cool. (laughs) I'm pointing it to my camera to tell you all for emphasis. The getaway is what is an early game that there's no UI. Like, Oh, is it UI less? Yeah. It's like, like, uh, it's all diegetic. Yeah. Uh, Like it's all done diegetically. Yeah, like the the in like the GPS is your your turn signals will activate for the GPS. So if you need to, oh interesting, like, we need to make a turn. Like when you like you get shot, you just kind of get bloodier, and then you lean against the wall to chill out and get your health back. <laughs> chill out, smoke a cigarette. Yeah, it's a fucking listen. The getaways, <laughs> the getaways, cool. It maybe it's if not you get. If you can get past the first yes. level, then there's probably a game, and I've never seen. I've Maybe never I, I can't, I'm not gonna tell you the getaway is good, but I'm gonna okay. tell you the getaway is cool. But it's a game, yeah. I, I think. That's what <clears throat> it, is def- it runs on the PlayStation Two. I'm pretty sure. But to bring it all the way back, that like that PS2, like that is the kind of thing that I love. Like these things that are just kind of bad or like really imperfect, but there's something. They're just taking swings at something, you know? Yeah, I like... It was scrappier. It was yeah. definitely just a scrappier time. Um, I think the thing that really shifted, and I can feel this change, it happened around 2005, but yeah. the the requirements of the Xbox 360... Sorry, I don't know if we're in a rush now. No, we aren't. We're not. Out. We're this okay. is the, the secret of Indiepocalypse Radio is I say, we got to end this show, and then it keeps going. Uh, okay, I see. Um, classic. But I do try happened, to end it at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll just cut off. It'll just like the feed will just go to um, static. I did. Po- um, I'm going to post in the chat as well. Uh, you know, I, I can put that on stream. This this photo I have, I posted in so you can see it privately. Actually, no one needs to see it. You can find it. I put this in the Discord image of this guy leaning against this tra- this um storage container. That's him getting his help. Do people back. have questions? Do people have questions for us? Um, not so. That's what I'm trying to perfect segue into me ending the show. So there are two questions. They weren't submitted here, but they're submitted generally. They have been. There was a legacy of them submitting them to the point where I just start asking them as uh, <clears throat> essential questions. Very rarely does this show get actual questions submitted in. Uh, no matter the guest. So I always tell the guests, don't take it personally. <laughs> okay, no, I don't take it personally. Um. Uh, it's like specifically, it seems like certain visual people love visual novels. Um, 
uh, it's a very passionate like subculture of games um, and that's where I get the most questions is that like is that like dating like um not strictly dating stem no no not even like strictly like dating style vision just like there is text on a screen and that my main interaction with the game is uh, interacting through text whether it be kinetic where there are no choices or uh, choice-based games where there are choices so like text adventure ostensibly uh, yeah yeah visual text adventure um i guess i guess some of them could be it's like you know there is text with accompanying visuals oh okay so it's like there's like a character like a you know uh like a character's portrait uh like saying stuff you know i can't believe you you didn't yeah yeah okay yeah they're very japanese to me they're very japanese yes very japanese uh okay they're japanese limited in lineage back to portopia mystery uh uh mystery mystery what's the full name of that uh portopia mystery uh that was definitely never Mystery one of my case. genres. Uh, like, I don't Sorry, think I've Tropia ever. Murder case is what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Is an early yeah, de- novel style game. Yuji Hori. Definitely not one of my. Not one of my. Uh, not one of my areas of expertise. Clearly. Yes. No. I. I'm. I'm like a sick freak who likes all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, so I. I, <laughs> I have, a, like a very wide palette in terms of like most art. Um, it's just kind of like, I like to right. f- flit around to different things. I think uh, if an author or an artist that I already respected were, were to then go and make a visual novel, right. I would check it out because I have pre-vetted their, um, capabilities or their voice. Yeah. So, you know, for example, like I'll just pull one on my hat, but like if JG Ballard had made a visual novel. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna go check out his visual novel. Like, I'm like, that's interesting to me. Um, in most cases, like they're they're completely unknown authors. It's like I wouldn't sit down and just read a novel by an unknown author. Usually, yeah. there's some vetting process in terms of how I'm gonna sit down and spend, you know, fifteen hours. If I'm gonna spend fifteen hours with a book, I better know that it's like Michael Creighton or, you know, whatever. Um, Novikov or whatever some author that's like has some pedigree yeah yeah no, that's, that's just how i am I, it, and it is like a uh, it's like almost impenetrable or it's like it's a it's the fact that you can play like just visual novels some people probably like that is like the only kinds of games they play and that is a healthy gaming diet but speaking oh, I'm sure. of uh questions i'm gonna ask those two questions the first one always yeah uh, what do you is, got What's your favorite type of rock? Like ge- geological? It's up to you. That's the, the extent <laughs> of the information I'm going to give you with, related to this question. <laughs> when I hear rock, I literally I go geological first, and then I guess music would be second. Um, geologically, I don't know. I don't know my uh, basalt rocks are pretty cool. Okay. Um, but they got overused in level design. Um, so much so that I see them in almost every game now, like, you know, basalt, uh, rocks, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm looking, I think they're like real craggy and like, like a dark craggy kind of rocks, right? They're sort of like hexagonal. They're weird. They're like a volcanic, um, B-A-S-A-L-T. Yes. Yes. Um, 
yeah the kind of like dark volcanic rocks yeah but they the the thing that's interesting about them is they compress and form hexagonal channels so they're uh anyway they're very geometrically interesting but they every single level designer and concept artist has seized on them so i see them in everything now which sort of makes them less special right because they keep using them and everything much like fireflies are overused i feel like fireflies are really overused in games but in reality they're a really magical rare insect but every single game is like oh fireflies and they throw fireflies and myself included i've also i'm guilty of that yeah right well they're um, cool <laughs> they're cool um, um in terms of music i don't even i don't think i listen to anything that i would I, i'm a i like metal yeah but i metal that would are you metal is a type of rock uh oh have you vanished i can't hear you anymore you might have strayed too far i can no longer hear you i am typing into the chat to no longer hear you if you're speaking to me oh uh, so i'm just gonna oh, i gotta vamp now because i can't just end the recording i have to fucking talk and keep talking until he comes back i hope he comes back soon oh no try from uh, now see usually well, usually when i'm just kind of here by myself I was that okay it wasn't just me that was me not talking to my microphone properly that's why I was not lighting up um but but um usually it's during the pledge drive so I am kind of like locked in to me rambling by myself for a long time I've kind of got that mentality ready to go but I don't have it right now I don't have that kind of like mode and there's not are you, wait yes you're back hello when did it cut out um about you so you said something about metal and then you I lost oh and then it just went oh jesus okay uh can i just repeat what i said uh yeah no that's you're allowed go ahead um i didn't hear you so. <laughs> okay i went on the whole diatribe no i was just gonna say that um i don't really listen to anything that i would consider rock yeah but i listen to i listen to metal and then uh, the, uh from the subgenres of metal i really like I used to listen to a lot of Stoner Doom, and then I, presently I listen to uh, try to find Sludge yeah. Doom. Um, and so there's a band like if I was if someone was curious, there's a band from I think South Carolina called Weed Eater. If you know Weed Eater, I I do um, know. I believe I do know Weed Eater. Yeah, and they've got a really heavy. I mean, it's, it was no other word for it, sludgy. Yeah, heavy sound, and it's um. It's got a really mean. I just really like things that have a really mean sound to them. I don't like soft, fluffy, sentimental um, things. Usually, it's like the. It's not about it being aggressive, but it's like I really like things that don't have a. They're not aiming. They're not coming from a place of like. Empathy or love. They're very. Um, there's something else. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like I like shit that sounds really fucking dark and mean. Yeah, and and, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, Weed Eater owns the, the owns the uh, 
the covetous URL of weedmetal.com. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, those bad. I mean, they earn, they they deserve it. God, <laughs> yeah. God bless those boys. This and also this talk about websites. It looked like they have not changed in twenty years. They still have MySpace. <laughs> nice. Logo. Oh my God, this Twitter, these Twitter and Facebook logos are so old. Nice. It's there's like Good. a little bird standing. Is their Twitter logo? News Good. coming soon. Good. Yeah, I love a dead website. That's great. That's what I want to see. But if, it, see- if they had updated. I can still order their. I can still order their hot sauce. Oh shit! They got hot sauce. Yeah. Jalapeno hemp seed. Yeah, I knew there'd be some kind of fucking weed in that hot sauce. There's no way they're not doing that. And the follow-up question. um, What do you got? This this one is more optional. Oh, look at this old look at this old ass. Even this outer limit hot sauce has this old ass Instagram where it's like an old camera. Like a 2010 uh, Instagram, image. yeah. Where it's like the front, where it's like the front shot of a camera. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. It's a fine logo. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite Toho character? Toho is the Japanese um, uh, studio. Not the not the studio. Uh, uh, the the long running Bullet Hell franchise. Oh. Uh, I mean, I guess my answer would be no. no that's uh, perfectly acceptable I, answer. That's I think fifty percent of the answers is that. To it's just Toho. To To it, it, it it's it has a, it's a T O T O U H O U. It's got more spice on it. But I don't know how to properly pronounce. Oh, that. Toho. Because Toho. Toho. Uh, yes. Yeah. Toho, as I say it with my American tongue is that classic uh, Japanese film production company. Yeah, yeah, Toho. So let me look up Toho, because I'm just curious what they even make. It's, it's, it's interesting, because uh, it's like primarily one guy. One guy, it? more or less, makes Toho <laughs> the, 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 the Bullet Hell series, but it has like the, the whole... Like, Jesus! It's a lot of games here. Yeah, I was gonna say the franchise has an open license, so basically anyone huh. you you can make a Toho game tomorrow and sell it on Steam, whatever. Um, I mean, so I'm looking at the entire release timeline here. Yeah. Oh, he also made a lot of games. Uh, they were on like the PC ninety eight. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's an old school, old school dude. Yeah. Uh, mathematics student apparently. So yeah, I'm looking at his list of games here. And I'll be honest, I don't think I've heard of a single one of these. I don't like bullet. I hate bullet hells. Well, then you're in for a bad time with that. Uh, Oh, I would hate every second. I would hate every second of probably every single. I mean, you know, every now and then I'll put them in an an old schmuck just to look at the graphics. Like, I think they there's some really, you know, R-type and and Hander, Einhander and... um, Oh yeah, no. We we were talking recently on the show about how yeah, bullet hells uh, and like shooters shmups have like a they have that kind of like shared DNA with fighting games where they have such like their storytelling is through their graphics a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like much like fighting games. Um, so they they they've they appeal to a very 
particular neurology and there are people for whom bullet hells i think function as a meditative space where they lose themselves in in it and it becomes almost like a mandala or something where they're uh they enter into a flow state with yeah. the thing um and i'm sure if you have the type of neurology that rewards whatever that flow state is i'm sure they are there's nothing better like i'm sure it's like the best drug um for that type of neurology i don't have that neurology so when i brush up against it it's completely alien and foreign to me as an experiential right. thing um and i feel that with with fighting games to a certain extent as well where it's like there's people for whom doing the 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 muscle memory for all of the moves and finding that flow state within a fighting like a whatever a street fighter or something um i'm sure it is absolutely uh, a, a dopamine releasing reward system of which there is no equal but i've never tasted the dopamine from either of them right so they're so they're completely foreign spaces like devoid of any nutrient um quality um which is a shame like i wish i could i could wear somebody else's shoes yeah, and right, play right. them the way that but i i've just i've never it's like it's like there's colors there for people and i can't see those colors yeah um, it is. it's a bit of a shame it's it's the beauty of like i why i like games you know i, I like the idea that can be whole subgenres is like i will never touch one of those in my life uh but it can still thrive you know it's why i find the idea of uh, you know kind of cramming them all together in a single thing to be very weird uh yeah that's the thing i i hate that we just call them games as though yeah. they're all this equivalent equal thing and it's like no they're really really not just uh genre, genre different but they're like neurologically completely different it's like they're different drugs ostensibly right they 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 slot into completely different receptors of people's brains and um the analogy i always use is like you could walk into a blockbuster in the 90s and there'd be like jane fonda's buns of steel workout tape and it could be sitting on the shelf next to like 2001 space odyssey and it's just because those two things are on VHS doesn't mean that they have anything to do with each other. Right. Uh, artistically or narratively or anything like they're just on the same medium of like a VHS tape, but they're a universe apart. And games often feel like that to me where I'm like, this game is fucking Jane Fonda's buns of steel. And this <laughs> other game is, you know, uh, war and peace. And, why are they why are they competing for each other it's like the game awards or something like they're completely separated from each other right right in all facets they just run on a playstation and like that's right. the only thing uh, they they, they fall under the same vague genre of action yeah exactly but they can be a universe apart from each other so um yeah i find that really frustrating i i, I think game nomenclature is still really uh new and yeah. really really underdeveloped and like we need new words for these things because right. just calling them both games is not fair or, 
um, we, you know, we need sludge of video games. We need intense micro genreing. You know, kind of exactly. Because like I know what I yeah I, I want the sludge. Like what is I I things you can things is hard sometimes like you could go to Wikipedia and have them defined but it's like you kind of understand vaguely what they mean and but they are very specific. But speaking of things that are very specific, we're we're ending the show. We're getting we're getting to the end of it. We're closing. <laughs> okay. Officially saying it's wrapping up. Um, I'm, getting, right. I'm getting hungry. Uh, yeah, me too. Which is when the dinner bells come a ringing for me. <laughs> you get. You got a big bowl of Brussels sprouts. You got to no only. Shine well, I only do that on, hang, when I'm hanging out with the, my friends to freak them out. You go. Oh, okay. You go, Andrew. What's wrong with you? I go. What do you mean? Do I don't know. Me? Yeah, I don't know. You got a mouthful of Brussels. I say that, um, but I do actually like them. It's not just I'm not just a little troll. I do generally. <laughs> he has them in his fridge, and I was like, "Huh, oh, these are good. I want to eat a couple of them." Anyway, I used crunch, to, crunch, crunch. Right, right. I, I, there was a time where I was just, t- I, I, you know, I peeled off leaves of cabbage. And I just eat a leaf of cabbage. It's good. Um, I could be a vegan very easily, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> it's like very much uh, lack of self-control or whatever. Of You know, maybe it's just I like to eat stuff. But speaking you're of eating like, this. Yeah, you're eating the skins, so you're getting all the nutrient yeah, content of those things. That's the thing. Speaking of liking to eat stuff, um, people also should enjoy a healthy diet of video games and art. Uh, Lewis, tell me about where can people find your stuff if they're looking to find it? Um, uh, so if you type jazz punk into Google. Yes, you got good you, SEO. You, <laughs> yeah, you should be able to or like, you know, yeah, jazz punk on Google. You'll get the Steam page. I think we still own jazzpunk.net, so you can grab it from there. Um, soon, hopefully, if you type jazzpunk soundtrack, like that'll be, um, it will be, I think, jazzpunk.bandcamp.com. Like it'll be on Bandcamp, it'll be on other, like Steam, it'll be on some stuff. So those, that covers the jazzpunk side of things. Um, for uh, Escote, if you're curious about my like weird industrial dark techno music project, um, you can if you type uh, Escote E S C O T E uh, on Bandcamp, you should be able to find it. Um, and I'm on Instagram as uh, E S C O T E underscore underscore underscore. This is whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Three underscores. Um, but if you type that in, you should be able to find me on Instagram fairly easily. And, uh, I don't know, I, I do play shows and I do release albums. So if you're interested in, in that part of my life, um, that's you'll probably get more updates on that stuff because games just take so long. Like I'm working on a game, no idea when it's going to get announced, no idea when people will see it. So if you want to keep up with me, oh, and, uh, I'm at Beetlenaut like B-E-E-T-L-E-N-A-U-T on Twitter. Because st- I'm going to call it Twitter until the end of time. Yeah, I'm not it's acknowledging most, that. For, for as weird uh, a name it is, it's a much better name than X. X doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, X is what a 10-year-old boy, like, <laughs> names the fucking refrigerator box that he painted like a spaceship. Like, it's not... Ugh. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's uh, a website run by the, the like, the... 56 year old equivalent of a 10 year old boy yeah 
<laughs> so so I'm on I'm on Twitter on that, and I'm fairly active on there too. Um, Perfect. And when I do announce stuff, I will probably announce it on Twitter first because that's where I have the most followers. So yeah, um, yeah, that's my that's my advice to all those perfect, folks out perfect. there. Um, oh, I forgot to put that in the. I always forget to put them in the. I forgot if we're only one person here, so I forgot to put in the chat for people watching live. Um, oh, show notes. Oh no, I have the I have it in the show notes, but I pasted it from my show notes into the Twitch chat. If people can click on them right now. Oh, I see. Which is something I usually do, but I got I forgot to. But yes, um, that's um, what was I saying? Indie Apocalypse. That's me. That's me. I'm Andrew. I host. I, I forgot. I think I forgot to intro myself at the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andrew. Indie Apocalypse is the thing that I do. We the thing we vaguely alluded to during the show. It's a monthly anthology. <laughs> I mean, how do you find yourself here if you don't know what Indie Apocalypse is? I guess. Yeah. No. Who are you, and how yeah. did you get here? Uh, but if if that is you, um, Indie Apocalypse, it's a monthly anthology of underground alternative non-studio whatever whatever buzzwords i'm attaching to it it's you know it when you see it you know it's independent games the zines of video games um the mini comics the self-taped eps of video games uh you can get those at indiepocalypse.com uh, indiepocalypse.com slash Patreon if you want a monthly subscription or you want to get the newly commissioned games uh, if you just want to get those for like for like 50 bucks a year you can get 12 brand new commissioned games from like the the best of underground devs uh, bam yes indiepocalypse.com slash tapes if you want to get a physical edition I'm like proliferating physical editions of indiepocalypse so in the case where I eventually go down There'll be physical content <laughs> floating around. Uh, the only way to survive the death of the internet is to... Well, I guess there's also just digital decay, and who knows how long USB sticks survive. I mean, I use like the same <laughs> shitty trade show I, USB stick that I got that was like... I think they're good. From like some random metal crafter or whatever, and it, I used yeah. it for like 10 years. So. And they're still good? I lost it, but it was still good until I lost it. Okay. Yeah, losing it is the only thing. Yeah, and it was not like a nice... Lose like, it, lose it. it wasn't like, oh, a sand disc or some high-quality thing. It was like probably some shitty AliExpress thing. <laughs> so Right. They, they just work, you know? Shenzhen special. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Shenzhen stick. Those cheap ones where you, where you go, ooh, I can write my company logo on it and get it for 50 bucks off of AliExpress or <laughs> yeah. Alibaba? A hundred... Yeah, uh, 50 cents a, a stick? Oh, oh you know. And it, what and a you, great place to archive media. If you indie devs are interested in that, starting in 2024, I'm going to... This is me trying to say it more out loud, so um, it'll be... I'll have to do it. <laughs> I'm going to offer. I'm going to be offering two options. One, where I sell uh, indie games on these sort of like indie... My, my classic tape style. Um, on your behalf, or I'll sell them to you in bulk to sell at your local zine fairs and stuff. That's my plan. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I want to like help proliferate the the format. I think it, it really. I'm allowed. 2024 is where I allow myself to be confident about what I do. Um, so is that, is, that, is, that, is that almost like a label? Like you're um, you're setting up like a little uh, indie t- indie USB key tape label thing. Yeah. 
basically. I, I probably won't make a logo or a name for it <laughs> because I'm very uh, branding averse. Um, I don't know. Good logo. Good yeah. logo goes a long way. It, it does. It does. If I was better, maybe you know, if a self pub stuff. Anyway, yeah, maybe I should just make a, a self pub kind of thing, so people would be like, "Oh yeah, I'll get those," and they can. The collectability increases, I guess. Yeah, well, it's, that's name recognition, baby. Right, and I mean, a lot of this is like my general goal is like I need how do I get a platform big enough that I can put other people on it but I don't want me the platform to be about me shining a spotlight on myself so that I can then use a mirror to reflect onto other people it's all it's a it's a it's a delicate wire act um, I mean I think that's ostensibly what a label is yeah. so you're you're the label is almost invisible and then people right. recognize them the music on that label. So I think you could do a similar thing. I think I could, I think um, I could have a fun, just name. don't inject your name into everything over yes. and over again. You can, you can go pretty stealth pretty quickly. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what no one needs. Uh, you don't need Andrew's indie apocalypse presented by Andrew. And we're not going to credit any of the developers until later. On our, who would, cause would, it'd be weird if like an, in, like an indie dev did a project like that and put like three sixty five games every day, but only put their name on it. That'd be a really weird thing to do. Who would do that? A Hideo, a Hideo Kojima game. Yes. Nothing oh. in this game was built by Hideo Kojima. Maybe, maybe 30 years ago, something was, but uh, I feel like, no, not even on the <laughs> I, I think he had some of the hands in the scenario maybe on the MSX. Yeah, I still think that was represented in the form of like journal scribblings. Right. And less. I don't think he's ever touched um, a, a code or a texture probably in his entire career. Well, would be my if, you're, guess. If, you, if you are touching codes and textures constantly in your career, might I suggest yeah. submitting your games to IndiePocalypse.com slash submit. You too. Do it can be included in this you will and you too can get 60 american dollars and then uh the second week you go andrew aren't you supposed to be paid me every week and i go uh aren't people supposed to pay me every week for this thing because they don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you'll be like and then you'll get uh six to seven american dollars uh every six months or so maybe give or take i like that i like that you have to keep specifying the currency yeah, yeah. Well, like, Indie these are American dollars. Indiepocalypse is an international publication. It's uh, developers from over thirty countries or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I so I'm not gonna say fair. okay. This is what it turns into in uh, front. No, they don't have front euros. This is what it is. I was about to say francs. That's how I yeah, know we're both old. Yeah. But like. <laughs> Franks, <laughs> uh, Canadian dollars, Brazilian real. Uh, we call them loonies here. Yes, we don't. I have a couple of loonies left over. I think. Uh, uh, collector's item. Collector's item. Hold on yes. to them because they're going to swap the queen for the king soon. Oh man! And uh, I, uh, we're I, and we're not ready for that shit. America keeps wondering what if we had a king. Um, <laughs> I feel sometimes, but you kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're trying for it. But what if instead we had a million little tiny little, uh, democracies or whatever, <laughs> too big a country, too big a country. It's a weird thing. Uh, 
But yes, yes, that is to say, you will get some amount of, you will get the American equivalent. And I think it's cool that people get royalties. Uh, I think it's a neat thing. I yeah, that's paid, awesome. I have paid to date. What have I paid to? I'm looking this up because I'm gonna. I was gonna do it for some kind of announcement. Probably. Oh, you know, because I was gonna talk about my itch sale, Indie Apocalypse. Also, IndiePocalypse.com/slash/sale. Check that every now and then. If it's ever on sale, it's on sale there. Um, mm. um, you can get all of Indie Apocalypse for I think three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Some freaks do that constantly, more than I think. Whoa. That's a lot of, that's more games than you can eat. Yes. That's like a year's worth of games easily. Yeah, that is, that, and that's the thing. Like, I am very particular about, like, I do, even when I go on sale, I'm like, I'm not, technically, that's the, that's the only way to buy an indie apocalypse game for under a dollar a game. Otherwise, it never dips right. below a dollar a game. Um, because I am very like particular about that sort of thing of like uh, things are complicated. I like that people can run big bundles and get money. Uh, but also mm-hmm. when you're selling 130 games for, or like 600 games for $50, that kind of like makes it harder for a person to then sell one game for five, perhaps. Yeah. Well, it devalues people's work. You don't want to get to a point where it's not a race right. to the bottom where they're like, you know, one, each indie game is one cent, like, yeah. which is the Spotify model of you don't want to be fractioning things down to the point where you're like, oh, cool. My Spotify song got a million listens and I got 50 cents out of it. Like it completely devalues the the work that people put into their stuff. Yeah. And, and then, but there's also this like, you know, horrible mentality of like would does your average itch dev make any money if not for those massive 300 game bundles you know right i've had a i've had a lot of people tell me uh indie apocalypse was the first time and most time they've been paid for a game and i don't know if you're listening eagle-eared listeners will hear earlier i say you get paid roughly 60 dollars uh which is not a lot of yeah money. No, it's really sad that there's people out there killing themselves. And I would argue one of the hardest uh, expressive forms that exists. And, um, you know, they don't they don't make anything from it. I think that's really that sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard. It's really hard to make even the most simple game. Right. And so and, people and need. That, yeah. People need money from it. And that that's how uh, it's if we talked about earlier, we're not going to get back into, hey, look, look at the games oh, yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Only, the, only some people who have money make games so the games that make money make money and then only certain types of games get made etc etc the giant it's a whole dependency stack it's pretty yeah. it's pretty wild but i looked up the number that number is 26 and 66 cents uh of indie apocalypse paid royalties paid out in these last four years uh damn um that is a lot of money paid out to devs so yeah, small pub. It's there's something to it, folks. There's something to self pub, small press kind of stuff. I think there's like uh, there's a lot in games to do that. You just gotta stop. If you're thinking, if you are even thinking about the game awards, you need to save your soul. <laughs> it's <laughs> they are unrelated. To, they are unrelated to what you do as a game developer. Uh, I, I I I I think that 
the the kind of the, like the games the online game culture that you see through your game awards your ign and game spots those those represent the commercial space represents a small fra- but a small narrow fraction of what games that are being made as an art form um, but we let it dominate the majority of the cultural space but you can just stop playing them <laughs> or like not exclusively <laughs> After before this, I was playing Yakuza. After this, I'm going to continue playing Yakuza. Uh. <laughs> but it's the thing of imagine if the only music you ever listened to yeah. was what what happens at the Grammys. Yes, it's like how narrow would your understanding of music as an as a medium be right. if you only listen to stuff that was on the Grammys? Like, how horrific is that? Yes, right, um, exactly, and that's, exactly. Uh, I, I've. I've come to like this kind of thing, like like seeking a canon is folly, and I like I don't care what people like. Like I'm more interested in just people having a diverse diet of art, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I've like maybe also because I'm old and tired. Old, I say in my thirties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not old. But uh, this kind of like I don't I don't care if I, I'm not I'm no longer the time person. Like oh, I can't believe you haven't watched, listened to, played X Y Z. I my only right. my version of that is I can't believe you only play three games. Uh, uh, you only play the five games that spend a lot of money on advertising. Uh, yeah, it's it's really weird. Yeah, I mean, and culturally, you find that how many pieces of art are driven by advertising dollars because as the relevance of advertising goes away, so does the relevance of that art, as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah, it is funny when you stop pushing for those things. It's like um, the audience sort of evaporates. Right. You uh, quickly realize that how often the top grossing stuff does not translate into like even just like best of lists, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just whatever had the most billboards around right. all the major cities you, and you could, the most. Um... <clears throat> you, you could even go oh, like. It's like the most mainstream, one of the, some of the most mainstream examples. You could just like, you know, I bet if you fired up, you know, Pitchfork's top t- top hundred ninety albums, they would not align with the top hundred Billboard ninety albums. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But apparently, anyway, this is a whole other conversation. We're gonna end. This. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Louis, thanks for joining cool. me here today. Thanks for hanging out for right. two and a half hours as we do this show. Uh, no worries thanks for having me no uh, this is this is my way that i make myself hang out with people uh but i love doing it it's It's smart it's a great way it's a great excuse to uh, burn a burn a quarter a portion of a saturday uh and you know have you back on another point where we have other guests we could hang out with because that's the other the other fun part is like getting a bunch of people in the room together you know that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford gdc tickets or whatever or, yeah, uh, I think I think the utility of that is like pretty pretty cool. So yeah, definitely have me on again in the future. I'd, I'd be happy to participate in a yeah I'm, bizarre I'm, roundtable with others. Yes, devs from around the world is my goal. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, you know, sometimes we have people from you know different corners of the earth that like we definitely <laughs> never like even just like different corners of the U.S. How often are people going to meet? But anyway. Guam. Guam, yes. We have a dev. We yeah. have Guam. Guam is on the map. Is it really? Yes. 
awesome. I don't know if that dev lives in Guam or is simply from Guam, but it, but they're like, put Guam on the map for me. Yeah. And so it's there. Yeah, no, all over the place. Uh, it's, uh, it turns out you can make games outside of North America or Europe. Uh, weird, you know? But it's true. I don't know if that's true. But, it's true. I've uh, got... I'll, 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 I'll take your word for it. But I, I, made, I made a whole list of games just made in South America. And that was... Wow. And those were only five of many uh, games. Is one of them uh, Xenoclash? No, no. This is this is just within Indiepocalypse. This isn't even oh. video games. Oh, okay. All right. I, I dig it. That's, yeah, that, like is it. Just, that is just within Indiepocalypse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there is there is there is an infinite supply. I just added one the other day uh, from Chile, a dev, to the map. I think my last dev I had to the map was from Chile. So cool. ever expanding. Uh, but that's it. I'm ending the show now. Goodbye, everyone.